Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get a creamy Oreo frappe or McCafe smoothie for less with 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't play around with your furniture. Enter Article. Article's team of designers focuses on beautifully crafted pieces, quality materials, and durable construction. The same thing that my facialist does when they take into consideration (laughs) what they're injecting. Along with fair prices. Just like what I put in my face. You save up to 30% over traditional retail prices. Article is able to keep their prices low by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. No showrooms, no salespeople, no retail markups. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Go to article.com slash Whitney and the discount will be automatically applied. Article.com to get your first $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Today, the guest on our podcast is one of my favorite people on the planet, Bridget Phetasy. Walkins Welcome is one of her podcasts. She interviews legends in a in, in a way that actually, it's very rare that I'm impressed by an interviewer because I'm like, I've heard this person be interviewed by a million people and they always ask the same questions. This bitch doesn't. And Dumpster Fire with Bridget Phetasy is... Easily my favorite news program. <laughs> Swear to God. It is the only thing that fucking makes me laugh. And uh, I had to ask her if I could go on it. Um, also, uh, go to her. Um, I'm actually, you're going to see in this podcast, me wearing some of her merch, which I love. I'm um, Bridget Fetisy. It's a wildly insane last name. She has an insane last name. What is your last name? Um, it's Irish. No, I made that word up. I think part of the reason I haven't <laughs> been friends with you sooner is because I didn't know how to pronounce your last name. And I was like, I can't take this on. Uh, I just learned how to stressful. say chameleon. I was saying chamelon until last month. It's a word I made up. Is it? Yeah. What? Yeah. That is so aggressive. Well, What's I, your last name? Um, Are you running from the law? No, no, no. I just, I'm not, I don't want to say it like publicly because I don't have to anymore. But um no, I made my I made that word up for my company. Thank God, because it doesn't make any weird, sense. Yeah, people are like, "Is it Greek?" I'm like, "No, it's just a word I made up. I made it, it up for my company." Is this from Troy? Are you from Troy? No, <laughs> I made it up for my company. It was just a word that meant when reality becomes parody or parody becomes reality. This made no sense in 2006. It makes a lot more sense now. And then because of social media, was this was like the dawn of social media, I wanted people to know the word and I didn't want to put my real name up because I didn't trust social media. So I just used Bridget Phetasy. And then I was teaching yoga and working with autistic kids when I started doing stand-up comedy. And so I took it as my stage name for like stand-up comedy. You since mean because you were hanging out with comedians? Well, since I was- You were <laughs> working with autistic kids <laughs> every night of the comedy club. Since, since I was already um, using it online- and then it just stuck. I mean, it's still a weird thing where when people introduce me, I'm like, who's that bitch? And I'm like, oh, it's me. But Fa- it- Okay, so fantasy is, fetasy comes from fantasy, P-H-A-N-T-A-S-Y. 
It's kind of like fantasy and fe- it's like fantasy and fetish combined a little bit, but power, it was just it was just a word that I made up. And is your like, f- is your special gonna be called fa- uh, fascinating? P H A. I'm obsessed with this, they, but we do call like in my I have a little subscriber community at fantasy.com, and it's like that we call it the fam with a ph <laughs> this is fat i didn't know that yeah oh yeah and then i always start with this podcast with um asking the um guest if we're friends and they get to answer yeah we are friends we are now but we our first friend date was i heard you on rogan after being scared of you for years <laughs> um so weird for a year well nothing scared me more than someone i mean an independent content creator who was like I fucking am just, just gonna so say crazy. what I'm gonna say, and I'm not. I see you as like this fearless comedian who's afraid of nothing. So I, so I don't funny. know why that just is. It's funny to me that that would be something. Every you're time afraid I of. post on Instagram, I'm like, will Bill Burr like this? I'm like, he's my friend. <laughs> he's my friend. Like it's just like you know, it's so. Will this make my dead dad approve of me? Like I am just run by fear in a way that I constantly have to like. But um, but I did after Saget died. There's something that does happen when a horrible thing happens where this you just are in so much pain that the little dumb micro fears that. Uh, are the fake problems in our head, the hallucinations tend to be shattered because you have a real thing. And so I, after you were last on Rogan, I listened um, and was like just blown away by your grace and um, uh, insight and being also just being hilarious and saying the shit that everyone's thinking but no one will say which I thought that was my thing and I was like this bitch and um so I was you know gonna go to Saget's Memorial and I just for whatever reason was like I was like kept planning on asking you to hang out and I reached out to you and was just like wanted to be your friend and I was just like I feel like she's gonna be my we're gonna go to Saget's funeral together yeah, that it was. I felt so bad because you'd reach out to me on Instagram, but I don't run my Instagram. I, I I'm on it a little bit more now that I just have um, like traveling sites and cooking sites. I'm like, this is magical place. <laughs> if I like mute everything and it's just travel and and cooking, but then my friend who runs it was like oh Whitney reached out to you and I was like when she's like six weeks ago I'm like you have one job <laughs> I had so much more respect for you, you that you didn't good, respond uh, I was like you know what good for her job. she was as cool as I thought she was Tim invited me to your faux Thanksgiving and then you had like a faux Thanksgiving yeah. a couple years ago yeah. and then he was like I would have loved you to, for you to come well, then he was like, I was like, I'm running late. I may like cry if I talk about this. <laughs> I'm so emotional. Um, he was like, I'm running late. And I, and he's like, oh, she's not having it anymore. And then um, he, they like posted all the videos. And I was like, what the fuck? And someone's like, oh, Whitney just hates you. I bet she like told you not to come. And I was like, oh, maybe. So I just assumed you like hated me. So when I saw that DM, I was like, oh, I thought she hated me. Yeah. That would never. I was like, oh, because he was like, oh, we're. Um, but who's, she's not having it anymore because of COVID. But he came. Yeah, I know, and then posted videos of it. What? <laughs> it was so weird. Like, Is the establishment trying to keep us apart? I, I don't know. <laughs> 
So the this establishment being Tim Dillon. This set the new establishment. <laughs> I, mean. I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't know why. It was, he was like, "Oh, she's not having it anymore because of um, like COVID or something." But then there were like all these videos on Instagram. Like, did he think that I wouldn't see yeah. that there were like? So what got to you? I was is like, wait- "This is like high school. I hate this shit." Because <laughs> here's what I'll say: there were people there that I actually don't like. So <laughs> even if I didn't like you, he would have been invited. <laughs> but. That is so wild mm. and such a, I do like to, on these podcasts, like what we did with Olivia Munn and Miranda Cosgrove, women that I've had like complicated imaginary pasts with <laughs> because I projected onto them. Like when Olivia came on, I was like, I used to be jealous of you and I think mm. I still am. And like, you know, just like, like that is so wild because I do have like some bullshit projection about you, but it has nothing to do with that day. And that was also at the peak of my really bad edible addiction. So (laughs) if I may, I wouldn't have, I I didn't know. Oh no. I was, I was comatose. So none of that was, but it was, that's so wild because it must've been like a series of misunderstandings. I'm sure Tim wasn't lying, Yeah, but like, you know, cause Tim will like, he came and he left really fast. I think he just left really fast. Yeah. Remember? Remember? Oh, you weren't here. So he just came and like, I think everyone was a little bit like, by the time you got tested and people were masked and it was like weird. And it was just, he came, him, he came and left. And then Jim Jeffries came and left really fast. And I, of course, was like, why are they leaving? Why aren't they staying? Like, I was having a mental breakdown because I felt rejected. That's so wild. And then you felt rejected. I was just like, oh, this is just like why I don't engage. Which makes me want to blow my brains out because my whole deal is I always do orphans Thanksgiving. And it's all the people that don't have places to go. Not that you didn't. But the idea is everyone that like either can't, don't have yeah. family to go to, and it's all like the broken toy weirdos, and you would have been. And then I saw your message, and I was like, maybe I just had it wrong, or somebody like told me the wrong thing. You know, they're. Do you know? Do you, don't say the name, but do you know the person that said they thought I didn't like you? I can't even remember who it was. I was I was talking about it with like it was a, it was a woman, but I don't remember who it was. That's I, I, not to judge that woman, but there's no way that person. I have never spoken to anyone about you. Yeah. I've had thoughts about you in my head being scared of you and intimidated by you. Why? And because <laughs> you are so wildly fearless in a field that is supposed to be fearless people, but actually most comedians right now are driven by fear and you just fucking say it. Like, you're doing what Richard Pryor and George Carlin did, what a lot of fearless comedians think they're doing, you're actually doing. And you call shit as you see it. And as someone who's like, I probably made some mistakes in the past, like, she, she's probably the first to call me out on my shit. And she, you can't manipulate her or cajole her or, you know, like, so that's a scary thing. I never really, it's funny, like, I... And I have, I have internalized misogyny from just, like, competition fucked up shit with women just in comedy because of our scarcity complex yeah, anyway. Yeah. I never really, I just always, It's. I was thinking about you today when I was coming over because I was thinking about Money Shot. The first time I ever saw you was, it was like an experimental year of sobriety and someone was like, have you seen this girl, Whitney? And I was like, oh my God, I loved her. And then I just, I just always kind of looked up to you and I thought your comedy was so smart. Like in a, in a, in a field where I don't think most, like, I think I hate the like women aren't funny, but most women <laughs> don't make me laugh. And I'm sure most men don't either. You know, it's like it's, you know, funny's funny. No, most men don't either. But I do think that men talk more about things 
that are interesting to me generally mm -hmm. because sometimes they'll be more like topical and and sure and political and um and you have that kind of smart incisive humor and mm -hmm. so I always just looked up to you and then I was like everybody was hating on you when you sold all those shows and I was like dude this is like the fucking dream. <laughs> like, it's like winning the lottery, selling one show in this town, let mm -hmm. alone two. We should all be like cheering for this shit. And people that didn't like me because I worked too hard. Everyone's like, she's so ambitious. She works so hard. And it's like, well, this is what happens while you guys are sitting around smoking weed and playing video games. Like, what do you guys do all day? Like, is Yeah, it but I never really knew you. It, there, was a, there was so much like false preconceptions, I think. Yeah, as someone that is used to just feeling hated by everyone all the time. And I understand that I walked into a situation where I just like, you know, I know that when someone else gets really successful or has something that I want or something I think I want or my ego wants, they're just holding up a mirror to my insecurities right. and self-loathing. So I just became a mirror of what a lot of people didn't have and did want. But my whole thing was, you guys, if I can get this and I'm not funny, then you definitely should be able to get this. You just have to fucking write something and then shoot it. And no, I couldn't get cast because I was too loud. I was too tall. I was too shrill. I was too this. Blah, blah. And then I was like, no one's writing for me. So I just had to write for myself. Like, yeah. I don't want to have to write these shows. I wish I could just get cast in someone else's or that someone will give me a deal and then write for me, which is what happens to a lot of people. But no one w thought women were funny at the time. Yeah. And then I did the roasts and, you know, whatever. But, um, but I just want to get back to this because, you know, to like hurt someone's feelings by accident. Like that's such a wild. But it's so common now. This happens because a you're lot. Because you're doing the recon of, of I am, I do have a resentment towards the person that said I didn't like you because I am a lot of things, but not fucking down with female comedians is not one of them. Yeah. And even the ones that are mean to me and that have been mean to me and continue to be mean to me, I'm always like, I am on that person's side. I have compassion. They're sick and suffering. We forgive others, not because they deserve forgiveness, but because we deserve peace and hurt people hurt people. And there's a scarcity. Like I defend the people that are shitty to me. So even if I didn't like you, or, which would have been my problem, I, it would have been like, oh no, she is recreating my childhood circumstances. My inner child is scared of her. She's intimidating. She's fearless. Like, but if I just meet her, I know if I had a problem with you, I'd want to meet you. Cause I, yeah. knew, I, I would know, I know it's a mirage. But I think that happens so much with um, social media now. Mm -hmm. People are like projecting sure. their own. Because I was like the new girl. I moved every year and a half. Yeah. So I, I'm aware that I have like a complex. You about, were never in a clique. Yeah. I'm aware of the fact that I'm like, oh, I'm being left out again. That's yep. why I get so emotional. And pregnancy. It's so, <laughs> and then I know you were talking uh, to, about uh, this with Catherine Madigan on, on the podcast. And um about birth order. You're the oldest. Oldest. Okay, mm. interesting. So you're the hero? No. Role? I mean, I was until I totally fucked up yeah. and like um, fell apart and was in rehab. Which is common for the oldest a lot because they were so coddled and they were the one that got the most attention in the beginning. I think it was just so much pressure and then shit just went sideways. Mm -hmm. Like I got raped and drugged and ended up in rehab a year later. And then it was kind of liberating. Like it was the first time I really felt liberated after. And then I would say even, even the moment where I was like, oh, I can self-censor and maybe try and get a job in Hollywood or I can just be honest and still continue to be poor. Yeah. <laughs> it was another moment where I was like, well, I'd rather be poor and free. <laughs> and I think with, and we'll come back to that in a second. Like for me, 
my, because I, I was insecure about you because as someone that I'm not big on having imposter syndrome, but my thing is like, if I'm a phony, this bitch will know. <laughs> I don't think I'm one, but I also am the first to say like addiction and codependence is an insecurity. It's the disease that tells you don't have a disease and you could be, you know, uh, repeating patterns that you were uh, imprinted with, epigenetic imprinting, ancestral patterns, you know, seeing what whatever, like I, if I'm delusional, <laughs> she will know. I don't think I am. I might, I'm probably delusional. But though. I don't know if I can take the risk because this, this person will see me and calls it like she sees it. And I have no ability to manipulate her or um, beguile her. And that's scary because that's like, you would be judgment day. There's very few people that I'm like, <gasps> that, that person is so real that if I'm a fake, I'll have to face it. I think we get accused of like very similar things though. You know, I think both of us get accused of being opportunistic or just like walking the fence or being like oh, yeah. whatever, going whichever way the wind blows. And instead of realizing that, well, in my case, I can speak for myself. It's like mostly just being confused. Then why do I have so many death and rape threats? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, what? If I, yeah. I mean, that's really interesting because I always think I get accused of having like the hottest take or taking the wrong take that's yeah, inconvenient. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Oh. Like the other sides will accuse us of being. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, they're yeah, just, yeah. like my husband always jokes that my next t-shirt needs to be captain of the fence riding team because he's like, <laughs> you just... You and people on both sides will call me out for this. And I'm like, might be a fair criticism. Maybe also, that's it's, you know, it's inherently just a self-righteous indignation addiction because everyone's fence is different. So that's your fence. When you say you're riding the fence, I'm like, well, that's your fence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Based on your algorithm and your conditioning and what you think, you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like your definition of conservative is very different than my definition of conservative. So until we've agreed on the same definition of where the fence is, you can't accuse me of riding it. Because I think I remember one time you were getting attacked for something and I was, and it was Who, like showing, showing a bo boob picture and I posted one in solidarity. Under oh your my feet. gosh. <laughs> I, don't, I had to go offline. <laughs> that was when a nude, well, this is, this, yeah. this is the deal with me is that, Yes, when I get extorted and uh, a hacker uh, tried to extort me for a nude. Yes. And then I posted it uh, to say, so that he couldn't like, post it. I'm, it's going to be in my new hour, like the whole story about it. Everyone's like, she did that on purpose to get press for her special. I'm like, don't you think I would have picked a better fucking photo? <laughs> I'm in a bathtub. My my, I'm bent over, so my tits are all like like traffic cone tits. Like they're pointy and like not, it's not even like a good nude. I felt so bad for you though. I was like, that's why I posted, started posting nudes online. That was just so people couldn't do that. I was like, from before I was not anything. I just started. And then I'm like, if someone wants to, if someone's like. If a tabloid is going to pay money for a 39-year-old's titties, this is kind of progress. <laughs> this is awesome. And like, and my whole thing was, yeah, I was like, you know, uh, I had my nudes leaked, but I was actually way more embarrassed about all like the inspirational quotes <laughs> I had screen grabbed. <laughs> I was like, you guys can have my titties, but please don't tell anyone about those Marilyn Monroe quotes. Like the Oscar Wilde quotes. <laughs> please don't tell anyone about the Osho quotes like in my like... <laughs> recently deleted file but <laughs> but so that's why because so I missed all that because I like went offline like I remember Bert posted a photo of his nutsack or something yeah, yeah. and then I, I kind of like had to go <laughs> offline because I was getting accused of like like 
pretending I was getting extorted. Like, I remember even Schultz texted me. He was like, dude, that was really smart. And I was like, what? And, he was like, and I was like, Andrew, like, thank you for thinking I am that much of a, like, calculating psychopath. Um, but it's so wild to me that we've seen so many nudes get leaked and women be so embarrassed and humiliated publicly in this way, constantly, incessantly, yet... The odds of me faking it are higher. Yeah. The odds of a woman like are like orchestrating a fake nude leak. Like wh- the data is like, what are the chances that that would be the case? But because I'm, I mean, I'm the most apologetic person on the planet, but I'm outspoken and unapologetic. Or I'm loud or I'm shrill. I, I deserve it. There's no way. What you're saying is like, there's no way someone would actually think there was a point in extorting you, you piece <laughs> of shit. Like, I, it was just sort of like, um, my tits are fake, guys. They're great. Like, they're, you don't ha- like, you don't have to throw me a bone. You can, <laughs> you can, it's a, why do you gain so much from this not being true? Yeah. Why do you need the narrative, Whitney calculated this? Like, it's bad enough for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm suffering. Aren't you happy? Like, I'm, I've been hurt publicly. Like, I, like, like, does your, like, sadistic tendency know no limit? Yeah. I'm already mis- miserable and humiliated. I hate myself. Like, what else do you need? They're like, <laughs> she's down, so we're going to kick her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, which is like, that's the only way I can come. So keep, like, you, <laughs> I, all, this is the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. is like, all the adversity and the dragging and the canceling with me and the attacking me, it just, like, I grew up in an alcoholic home, bitch. Like, this is where I thrive. I'm addicted to adrenaline. I'm addicted to this shit. Like, this is, you know, uh, you're not hurting me. You're choking me during sex. I love it. Yeah. And I'm at this point that I think you're clearly, you maybe were at a long time ago after that trauma happened to you where I'm like, you either, whether you like me or not, has literally nothing to do with me. And I know I'm a Rorschach test. I know I'm polarizing. And like, if I, I probably would not have liked me before I got my ego under, ego, eager, same, uh, ego under control because I, anybody that, you know, because I was the youngest yeah. in an alcoholic home and I was also a, we call it a surprise, which means accident. Uh-huh. And I think children, Emily and I kind of had this like epiphany this past weekend in North Carolina of like, you know, many of the youngest children were not planned. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they weren't loved, and it, but they're, you kind of know. It's like I was born 14 months after my sister mm-hmm. and you and you sort of know you're on borrowed time. You know you're kind of walking <laughs> on eggshells. You're not allowed to, you have to be needless, wantless. Like you, you should be just happy to be you're here. Just, you're just, <laughs> you're barely, you're on thin ice. Yeah. Just be, having been born. You're lucky you didn't get aborted, yeah. bitch. We just lived in a state where we couldn't, <laughs> get it done, you know? <laughs> or there are already so many. It was yeah. like, what's one more? We're too poor to have a big enough staircase to throw your mom down it. Like, <laughs> we just... So I was always like, you have to be useful and you have to walk on eggshells around narcissists. You can't um, uh, have any emotional needs. And everyone was so exhausted in that capacity and overwhelmed that if you're like, when's dinner ready? It's like, well, why don't you just get a new mother? It's just, <laughs> it was like, like the littlest needs. And I was the kid that like my mom would drive to work and then realize I was in the car. And it was like, fuck. Like, it was just like, I was always forgotten about. I had to walk home from school. I, like, I was just the kid that had to, you know, raise myself and just be like, make myself useful. And why am I talking about this? Uh, being, I don't remember. 
the birth order is where the we birth order with thing. This. Yeah, of just sort of like carrying the sh- shame for existing at all, and yeah. like, oh, this was it, minimizing myself, making yeah. myself as small as possible, needless, wantless. I'm just gonna, you know, which is was, you know, ended up being the, you know, type of para alcoholism that I. Um, uh, inherited, which is, you know, we say in order for alcoholism to be present, alcohol doesn't always have to be present. Like you can see it in, in my case, there was a lot of alcohol, but it can be in, you know, perfectionism, obsessive cleaning, organizing holidays, you know, just sort of like the, the inherited alcoholism and codependence of perfectionism in families and, and just the sick shit that our parents didn't realize was so harmful of like, you're not leaving the table until you finish everything on your plate and drink that whole glass of milk. (laughs) You know, remember that? Remember the like, either the forced eating or I remember we would... I never thought that was... I mean, until this moment, it never occurred to me that that's weird. It's so toxic. (laughs) It's so... We used to just put like peas around the outside (laughs) of our plate so you'd pick up the plate and there would just be like food that we had shoved (laughs) under the... Or like throw it on the ground. Yes, you would just like put it in your, it just the, you have to fit, because we didn't have a lot of, it was you have to finish everything on your plate. Yeah. I mean, we were always racing. I eat fast because there were five of us. So we were always racing to finish so I that we could get second. I still eat in the car alone. Like I, when I get food, I eat it so fast. We would. Scarcity. No, there were fish sticks. And the second they went down, you'd grab them and lick them. You'd lick as many as you could. So that How no many kids are in your family? Not, it was just me. I had an older sister, a half brother. Okay. You know, but then I lived with my aunts and uncles for a while in a different place. So I was just like moved around a lot to different family members. So I was like the weirdo that was in high school who like lived with her aunt. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I was the weirdo that like. There's always a problem there. There's always like she had. <laughs> yeah, she lives with her aunt. <laughs> it's like I was like the weirdo that like in Virginia I lived with my aunt and they didn't have kids. They weren't parents. So they yeah. were like, they were like women in their 40s, like, like horse ladies that didn't have kids. And their whole thing was because I showed up with a nose ring and had been doing like drugs on the streets and had like my head half shaved and shit. And we were like, you know, ran away from home and then we're like going to raves and doing drugs at like, you know, 11, 12, whatever. So by the time I got there, it was like the scared straight program where they like ripped the (laughs) nose ring out of my ear and decided everything needed to be about building character. Mm. So my aunt would drive me to school with her seven dogs in the back, which is like when you're in high school, when you're like, in eighth or ninth grade, you're like, can you drop me off like four blocks away? And then you want to walk because you don't want everyone seeing your shitty car. It was like a pickup truck and there were dogs in the back and she'd stop and they'd all get out and run in the schoolyard. And like, she'd be yelling like, boomer, nugget. And all the dogs were running everywhere. And it was just like so embarrassing. How old were you when you came here to LA? Uh, 64. <laughs> I'm 89 years old. This baby blood thing works. I was 20, but I came, uh, when I was 18, I came out and I did the UCLA like summer theater program mm-hmm. and I interned at E Entertainment at a uh, show called Wild on E. Okay. I pixelated nipples in okay. post. And then I interned at uh, a production company called Radar Pictures. Like I used to um, like just cold email people and ask if I could like intern and stuff. So I came out and I did that. And then uh, I came out like a summer because I just knew I was like, I knew that I was going to. And then when I came out, I had auditioned in New York for to be like an MTV VJ because I would like send in real world audition tapes. (laughs) (laughs) I got on the real world. It's like, luckily it never went. Wait, what? Yeah. Way to bury the lead. No, but it never went. It just never 
Wait, you I shot? Want hear, I want to hear this whole story, so I'm taking these to throw it. Oh, yeah. She has a gun that she shoots me with when I interrupt. I'm talking um, too much. No, it was when I was like 22 years old. I had lived <laughs> out here. I moved out here right, right after rehab. And then I, there was an audition in Ithaca, New York. My sister and I were living together. Can I just say something out loud <laughs> just to let, see if it would have been funny? Was I going to say, is that who raped you? Was it Puck? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, the fact that you laughed means we're going to be just fine. <laughs> um, I, no, we went and drove to Ithaca from Rhode Island. And it was, snow, it was like dark. Real world Ithaca? No, that was where the first audition oh, was. Oh, okay. And people used to say, they're like, you were created in a lab for reality television. 100%. 100%. And this was, I, I, it's so funny. I've been going through all my old shit in my garage and like getting organized. I go through it every time I watch Dumpster Fire. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what is this? I'm obsessed with that set. And so we, my sister was like, you have to audition and we had to go and like, I had to fill out this whole packet, which I'm so mad I didn't fucking photocopy. So mad, so mad. And then, um, but it was like, tell us the story of how you lost your virginity or something. And my story was like, to a manager when I was 17, my manager at a restaurant who was like way older than me at the time. What restaurant? It was in Minnesota. And we, so I just had like all these stories that they just worked for them. They're like, this one's fucked up. We can tell. And Ooh, they yeah. ended up, um, then we made this amazing, we had been filming everything. And this is another thing that is heartbreaking to me. We made this video, like, parodying the real world, my sister and I, because they're like, you still have to do an audition tape, even though you made it to, like, the next round. And it was me being like, I'm really good with kids. And then we cut to me playing with, like, my nephew but I had him like running over Elmo. Like it was dark and <laughs> it was like the opposite of whatever I was saying. I'm like, I'm a great sister. And it was always in these weird backgrounds and <laughs> we didn't have an editing machine. So we literally videotaped the TV. Also, what's an editing machine? <laughs> what like, you, what, no one had one of those. <laughs> well, you like mean? a way to edit. <laughs> I know, Maggie. So you mean like a Theranos <laughs> device? <laughs> whatever those things are that you edit with. We didn't have like Bay. <laughs> we literally just took the camcorder and videotaped the tapes over it next to like the s scene that we wanted. So it was like yeah, this yeah, completely yeah. ghettoly put together <laughs> janky tape. It but so it was funny. freaking hilarious. And one day my sister and I were watching it laughing at long afterwards and her son like somehow hit the freaking um remote he was like crawling around and wiped the whole tape <gasps> and then we met which by the way like never probably happens. isn't a feature but he figured it out it's so like no one would have known no. how to do that and it never happens like whenever you wanted to record over something you couldn't it was it was like heartbreaking and so we went to Ithaca I filled out this whole thing I got I had just left L.A. and I really just wanted a trip to come back to L.A. And they're like, well, fly you out to L.A. It's like, sweet. I'll spend That's a week crazy. with my friends. And I sat in this like crazy room and they interviewed me. And they do you do remember if it was Danny Villa casting? I don't remember. Because we can probably get these. T they have all this stuff in something. We asked someone. My cousin met someone who was in archives and they looked for us. And they're like, because what happened was then... Um, they it was supposed to be real world Vegas, which I found out later. Was it over email? Was our stuff over email? Could you find? I don't know. Can we log into your AOL.com? <laughs> I mean, maybe <laughs> I still have that account. Um, and we ended up 
Like I came out here that week was nuts for a lot of different reasons, but it was so fun. Were and you sober at this time? No. Oh. <laughs> By the way, uh, there's a strong chance that's not how the tape got deleted, but okay. It's not, because he was crawling around. And we ended up, um, like, then they were like, hey, we like you so much, but we want you to be the lead on this other show that's on an island. It was some show. So they moved me to another show, and then- It's on Epstein Island. Is that cool? (laughs) (laughs) It might have been. But so then they're like, you had, I had signed up for a certain time and I was like, when can I get out of this? Because at this point I was like, this is a bad idea. I didn't think it would go this far. I don't know why. You're like, this feels like an intervention. (laughs) An island. (laughs) Yeah. Do they have cocaine? Where's this island? It just felt like something. At that point I was like, how do I get out of this? And they were laughing at me because the producers would call and they're like, uh, hey, we're just checking in on you. Are you still around? And they're like, people call us every day to see if they're on this show. And I'm like, I want out like the minute that my, like, you know, the option the basically option, yeah. Yeah, runs out. And then the option did run out. I think the show did end up going, but I was like, take me out of the mix. Do you remember what? Um, it was like, I like I what year was? Paradise. It was 2002 Whoa. or three. That's weird because I did Punked 2004. Real World Road Rules Challenge, The Island. I don't know what it was, but I'm glad I never did Made it. Made in Staten Island? I'm like, <laughs> Temptation Island? Thank God. Maybe. Maybe yes. where they go, like, see if you're going to cheat on your spouse or something. Something, No, it was some it was like something in paradise or something. I don't even know if the show ever got made. Honestly, okay, nothing on MTV was in paradise. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's just take it down a notch. So, yeah, that was the first time I got onto a reality show. That is then weird. there was Miami Inc., which is the second time. I didn't know you were on this. I wasn't because it fell apart <laughs> at the last minute and like some fucking crazy so I fly down to Miami. But wait, I, isn't that for tattoo artists? Yeah. I was going to get my logo tattooed. This was in 2006. I started my company. I was driving around. I'm like, I'm taking myself on tour like a band, except I'm a one-woman brand. <laughs> and I thought, this was like pre-Kardashians. I just saw the writing on the wall. I'm like, we're all going to be our own brands. I'm going to take this shit on the The early road. content creators, you guys got that. We, I didn't understand that. I was just like, we're going to do this. And I was then- like, I want all these rapists to hire me and give me 2% of the money I'm bringing in. And then I was in Miami. And there was a like open call for Miami Inc. And I I filled it out, went driving around the country with my my band my brand that I ended up <laughs> going bankrupt. I know you're shocked, um, and still the brand, but that was a disaster. And drove around for like six months, and then when I came back, found out that I got on Miami Inc. They approved my design. I was going to get my logo tattooed like on my butt because I thought it was funny. <laughs> Again, thank God. I mean, like that saying, God, that (laughs) I was like, I've got to get on Miami. When we were in Miami, I'm like, if I see one more fucking sunrise, I'm going to (laughs) die. Okay. The worst place to be on a bender is Miami. (laughs) The worst. It's the, it is so bright. It is so humid. And this was like two, this was high. The music is so loud. I was down there selling. I was probably editing Girls Gone Wild while you were down there. I was down there selling Daddy Would Be Proud shirts (laughs) that were in the Girls Gone Wild font, like on the beach. That was my t-shirt I was trying to sell up and down. Oh, I was doing Wild on you. You're talking Girls Gone Wild. I remember that. 
And this was the height of it and spring break and like the date rape drug. And it was just like the 2005, I think. It was just like a weird, those early aughts were nuts. (laughs) I know I'm not allowed to make this joke because I'm not making it. But KT Tatara used to do a joke where he went, um, he went, uh, this, this girl the other day accused me of date rape. It wasn't a date. Which is <laughs> <laughs> always when I hear that amazing thing of that joke. Dark, dark, dark. And um, so we went. I but went, also there's, there's I've had family, sorry. God. I've had family members that are, are friends and stuff that have relapsed in Florida. There's methadone clinics. I mean, you can go get methadone. You yeah. can go get, you know, because the problem is so bad. You can go like get Oxycontin really just easily. I stopped doing all the like heroin after age of 19, 20 when I got out of rehab. But I was definitely still like on the blow train. Did you have the experience in rehab? You know, I hear a lot of people, they go in for one thing and then they go to go to rehab and they hear people talking about other drugs and they're like when they get out they're like well I'd never done Zanny bars but I heard that the- I tried pretty much yeah. everything I, I feel that way more now in sobriety because the kids are doing all this weird stuff but I'll finish my dumb Miami Inc. story so <laughs> I went flew down to Miami Inc. I had to fly myself down which is embarrassing to admit but I did <laughs> that is the darkest thing you said this entire interview <laughs> I, I, mean, know, I don't think I've ever publicly admitted that anything so that shameful. Is, is, I can't make eye contact with you. That is like that is bad. That's so bad. It was like it was like Value Jet or something. The yeah, one that went out of like business. Southwest <laughs> like, Airlines flight. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> And I flew myself down and stayed with some people that I, I don't even think they put me up because they were trying to cast locally. And they you were probably like, said I'm local. I probably lied. Yeah. <laughs> and they had approved the design and everything. And it was the first day da- back to production since um, like they had been on hiatus or whatever. And it was their first day back. So everybody was like crabby yeah. and the guys were kind of dickish and they were giving me shit. And then the guy who was supposed to do my design was like, who proved this design? I'm like, you did. <laughs> like, they said you did. Mm-hmm. And so we're supposed, we're like going, getting ready to film. And he's like, I can't do this. It's too many perfect circles. I'm like, well. The tattoo artist. Yeah. And then the producer felt so bad. And like, then are you on cocaine and Adderall? Aren't you supposed to? Like, I feel the like- other one came out and he's like, can you just get like a butterfly on your ankle or something? I'm like, no, I'm not going to get a fucking butterfly on my ankle. I'm not. Like, I'm not a whore. I'm a hoe. <laughs> I'm a brand. <laughs> I wasn't molested. <laughs> I'm a brand. I was raped. I wasn't molested. It's getting clear. <laughs> oh um, well. By the way, thank God. Amen. So Should then we send like, him an edible arrangement. We'll get you anything. We'll put anything you want. Because you would have gotten design. AIDS then if you hadn't gotten it from Pedro. <laughs> tetanus or something and then i um i took a walk and i was like they're like we'll go think about it the producer felt so bad because they were being so shitty and then i was like nah this it is like god's rejection 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 is is god's protection i was like no this is just i don't think god is in miami tattoo shops but i know you mean (laughs) maybe he was that day that was the day i started believing in god it's like if i was gonna have a butterfly tattoo on my ankle i'd have it by now yeah like, look at me. To go with the tattoo on my wrist that says breathe. Okay, I'm building like, a brand. Don't you see what you're dealing with here? Like, I am a fucking mess. That don't you think I would have had a tramp stamp by now? It's so wild. And then, and then I was so, it's weird. And maybe that I had this, like, Darwinian instinct to not, like, connect with you until I was, like, ready. 
because you your program and the way you have um uh, I'm tr- I'm being a perfectionist with my words. Perfectionism leads to procrastination, which leads to paralysis. I'm trying to not say the word journey. I'm just trying to not say journey. Um, <laughs> I'm trying so hard to not say you've navigated a journey or path. But the the there's no non lame way to say it. And look, I you know I am the first to admit my uh, flaws. I have an entire book of my character defects. I had to get like an extra notebook. Like no one's more <laughs> self-flagellating, self-critical than I am, even though we call them superpowers. Um, uh, it is rare that I hear someone talk about sobriety where I'm like, I, I am humbled and feel, uh, I mean, I've been in program for 14 years and like, it's just, it's, it's, I just know a lot and I, and I, uh, you know, I and I have shame when I say that because it's also I know nothing in the second my amygdala gets activated or I get, you know, stressed out or adrenalized, it all goes out the fucking window and I forget <laughs> basic mantras like one day at a time or it doesn't matter or, you know, I was just like, you know, um, uh, when I get scared or insecure, or hungry, angry, lonely, tired, I will go to my default software of fear driven being reactive, you know, um, because my main drugs are like taking an action, um, yeah. just having to do something instead of being able to be in the discomfort. Like sit. Don't just do something, sit there, right? Yeah. So, and then every year you're in program, you have another second of pause, right? It's like, we're not responsible for our first thought, but you are responsible for your first action, whatever. But so I, I'm the first to say that I will relapse all the time. But um, but listening to you, uh, your last episode on Rogan, I remember going, like, I think that if we had been, you had known me any sooner, I wouldn't have been ready for you. I would have been scared of you. I would have not been uh, deserving of your time. Like, I, you would have been like, this girl's kind of full of shit or something. Because mm. I was full of shit for a really long time. Because but so was I. Yeah, of course. But I think... I mean, I might still be again. There's a I'm lot always, of... I'm always wondering, like, how... How good I am at lying to myself. <laughs> Which is that, but, but the kind of people that say that are the mm-hmm. ones that are usually constitutionally honest. The ones that are like, and that was probably, I'm probably being full of shit and I'm probably being apologetic or manipulating or, you know, shape shifting or cajoling or like trying to manage. It's hard though when you come from. When like, you have those skills. Yeah. And you have to put them on the bench. My sisters and I talk about this all the time because we're like, we came from a psychological ninja. That's right. Like we're <laughs> anticipating stuff that might not be true and trying to weasel our way around it and manipulate. And I'm like, I don't even know when I'm manipulating sometimes because I'm just, it's such a default that it, and I'm so good at shady. Like that's my, one of my, that's been the nicest thing I think about the past couple of years of sobriety is like the shadiness is it's, it's definitely like, there's no shadiness between my husband and I, there's always been like, I'm just always, sketchy, always fucking oh, dude, sketchy. Dude, I am the sketchiest bitch. Like I am <laughs> like, and, and, and it boils down to, for people that are like, how do you know? It boils down to motives, right? So my sketchiness is, if I may, uh, worse, uh, I've had it harder. No, but it's <laughs> with AA and Al-Anon. So, you know, Al-Anon, adult children of alcoholics. It's like I would go to double winners meetings, AA meetings, and I would hear drug addicts because my drug is control. And my drug is I'm going to make you need me. I'm going to rescue you. And I'm going to like, you know, uh, you know, Al-Anon, you know, drug addicts are addicted to drugs. Al-Anons are addicted to drug addicts. Mm. And the chaos you give me and the adrenaline and the cortisol and like, you know, I get to mother, micromanage and martyr myself and be a hero and like, you know, and be perfect because 
perfectionism is our ultimate, you know, uh, dopamine release. And if as, as long as I'm with a mess, I'm perfect. Yeah. <laughs> In comparison, <laughs> even though I'm a total piece of garbage, you know, so we surround ourselves with people that are such messes. So in comparison, we can feel like heroes and we get our self-esteem from being quote unquote useful. Even though we're not being useful, we're enabling the person and probably making them sicker and protecting them from having a consequence and having. So where does the sketchiness manifest? Which is really quick because I remember the first time I went to a double winners meeting and I'm hearing alcoholics and addicts t- uh, to drugs talk about, you know, I drove drunk and I went through, I almost hit a school bus and I climbed over my ex's, you know, uh, the fence and crawled in her window. And I'm like, bitch, I do all this sober. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Like, I'm just like, it just is like wild to me because a lot of people are like, "Mm, Al-Anon's are like the whiners. And it's just like, bitch, we're as fucking as gnarly as you. I do it wide awake with no regrets. (laughs) I still think I made the right choice. I still think I'm nailing it. I like, I think I'm perfect. So, but the shadiness I think comes in it's it's very uh uh insidious yeah. in Alanons and people pleasers because we're just being nice. Yeah. But the motive is really I'm going to make you think I'm nice and make you need me so that you won't abandon me and it's our you know I remember in one of the first meetings it clicked for me when someone people pleasing is a form of assholery. Yeah. Because what you're really saying is uh you would never like me just for who I am. I don't even know who I am. I'm a shell of a person. I lack an identity entirely because I just define myself through other people. I remember in my book, I wrote about how every di- guy that I dated, I was like a di- I was like a different, I was like a goth girl for one. I was like the sports girl. You're like Brad Pitt. Is that his thing? Did you ever see that picture oh, of yeah. like how he shapeshifts with every woman? He starts to look like the woman. That is so funny. <laughs> It's my favorite. There's a meme. It's you out there. You have a lot of Brad Pitt. You talk about him a lot on your show. I yeah, feel like. we we the whole last episode was undertones of Brad Pitt. But that we, is so <laughs> funny. There's um, a whole thing about this where he like shapeshifts into whatever woman he's with. That is so, yeah, like one of the Paul. Tra- I'm thinking about them now. There's we have to pull that up. Someone will pull up the meme. I'm it is hilarious. To send it to you. That is ridiculous. Um, but uh, but then I uh, uh, in terms of like motives, I. You know, it's very hard even for an Al-Anon. Like, for me, like, gifting is a big thing, Mm. right? And I, you know, definitely, like, dabbled in debting as well. Like, you know, look, these addictions, it's whack-a-mole, right? You deal Mm -hmm. with the eating stuff, and then the spending comes up. You deal What was the first one for you? Like, when you first went into program, eating? Oh, no, 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 Al-Anon. I had no idea I had a problem. I thought I was nailing it. Uh. I knew I was, I had been treated for anorexia and stuff, but I was just like, these people are dumb. They don't get it. This is serving me. Like, I just played everybody. I played the therapist. I played all of them. Like, Mm. and then uh, I had, I was dating only really, like, dangerous addicts. Like, I was, like, learning Spanish to fight with drug dealers and, like, going down and getting drug dealers out of downtown and, like, putting myself in, like, incredibly dangerous Mm -hmm. situations. Like, so grateful every day that I didn't get so many STDs. Um, Like, just was, like, the girl who if would not say we need to use a condom. Like, just, like, had just... Um, addicted to danger, like danger. very dangerous yeah. situations. And, uh, you know, believed it when a guy said, I'll kill myself if you leave. Mm-hmm. Like, was like, I have to stay. And like, giving up opportunities, giving up so much. My mental, I mean, I was getting- How old were you? Oh, when I first went to program, wasn't it until- Well, f- when this was going, this like- oh, This was my, I mean, s- 17, eight. I mean, wow. when I was 17, I was dating like an older man that was like yeah. 40. You know, that like was totally gaslighting me, but I like 
when people gaslight me, I just get high on the gas. I'm like, <laughs> like, I love it. Like, this is like, I would love to enter into this ridiculous reality where like you have a house in Greece. Like, let's pretend. Like, I remember I, you know, dated a guy who, uh, thank God Tinder wasn't around after watching the Tinder swindler. God. Um, uh, like I dated a guy that like told me he was like an heir to like the Campbell soup fortune or something. It was lucky you're alive. It wasn't that, but I I just said that because I remember on Rogan you talked about how you waitressed at um oh god for all these rich people and was it the Berkshires? No, it's in Rhode Island. Fascinating. Yeah, Newport. Newport. <laughs> Fascinating. Old money. Yeah, I love old money making fun of new money. It always cracks me up. Like that's such a weird. Just because you to drive make. an old Volvo, you think you're better than me? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just like, like I love old money shame too. It's like yeah. we don't want anyone to know we have money, but we're not going to like redistribute the wealth or help. We're just gonna. <laughs> Do you watch Succession? I did. Did you like it? It was. It, I was like, I know these people. Yeah. I know. I know these people. I know families exactly like this. I know. One of the characters reminded me of a guy that I grew up with. I was like the the Roman. I'm like, I know, I Wild. know this kid. I know him well. Like the sick sexual just stuff like, and just like the- And just just it's not, you know, I used to have so so many issues with like trust fund babies and still kind of do, but I I've worked so much on them because I'm like, they didn't ask to be born into this shit. Yeah. And I'm so judgmental of them because I'm like, oh, it was hard to grow up around that and be like the girl. I was always working for them the help. Yeah. And also their peers. So it was like a weird, a well, weird they could dynamic. never really have real friendships because everyone's inherently using them. And they always had they and then. And even <sighs> like one of the guys was like, oh, I could, you know, even if it was like, oh, we're childhood loves. And he's like, and I was like, but Mumsy would never. Mumsy would never have this. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, like money marries money. Like, you can't. Think, like, do you think there should be, I know there's like capital gains, I guess is kind of the point of this, but like, should people be able to keep past wealth on the way they do? Do we have any structures in place that try to prevent that from happening? I mean, I think they're trying in California. I don't know how I feel about it. Because I wouldn't want my offspring to have a bunch of money. I think it would be bad for them. I know a lot of people that have made money and they're having kids now. I'm like, nope, they have to have summer jobs. Yeah, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett does that. Like, we don't, you don't get any of this money. I think you can still pass money onto your kids and teach them good values and make them like not, you know, have to work and and appreciate money. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's how you're raised, but ultimately there's just so much dysfunction yeah. and like it is weird because again it's the same thing that fame does to you to a certain extent. You're par- like you're taught to be kind of parent. You get kind of paranoid. Is this person after me because I have money? Are mm-hmm. they talking to me because I have money? Because yeah. of who my parents are? Because yeah. of what they need? Are they approaching me because they need stuff? That is a hard mm-hmm. position to be in all yeah. the time. And it does, I think, rewire your, it has to rewire your brain. But also what I'll say is, even if you don't have money, you can also go, well, maybe they only want to fuck me. Maybe they just think I'm hot. No, you know, totally. Maybe they want to kill me. Maybe they want my drugs. Like there's, even if you don't have money, there's always going to be a way to be in that state if you don't know who you are and if you're, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop with the the values and motives thing um, because I don't want to forget that. But, you know, I do, I do think that human beings 
fundamentally need to be proud of something that they've accomplished in order to have self-esteem, you have to do esteemable actions. People wonder why they're like on Instagram and they're like, why is my self-esteem so low? Why do I hate myself? (laughs) I follow like the holistic psychologist or whatever. Or they follow like it's reading inspirational quotes. It's all that's selfish. That's why in 12-step programs, part of the magic of 12-step programs, whether everything in the big book or what Bill W. did or whether or not he was a creep, who the fuck knows? Like it is... Um, being of service yeah. and doing esteemable actions so you're not a piece of shit. Yeah. If you feel like a piece of shit, what have you done today for someone else and being of service? So like that, that if you're just getting money and not earning stuff, I think that you hate yourself and that's a dangerous person. Slightly. I have what? Come? I'm not sure what <laughs> Well, okay, so Emily and I got laser peels. Well, why are you in my camera angle? You don't want enough. What, why? How could it have just come out of nowhere? Let me just take a quick pick. But is it char- coal? You don't want this. You know what actually? I'm going to check my lipstick. Do you know what to outright there? Let me see. It's like a makeup smudge, like a shadow smudge. You're just noticing this? Yes. Wait, no, but look. It's skin from our our laser peel. But also, you know what actually this is? So we're doing blackface. No, do you want to actually know what it was? So I have uh, ancestors uh, that were, uh, my grandfather worked in coal mines in West Virginia, and I'm redecorating the studio, and I found these little statues on eBay that are made of West Virginia coal, and it's a cat, and it says, I love you, with little, this was like a big thing in West Virginia, these little statues made of coal, and I think it's coal. Oh my God, oh my God. Be proud of your cold smudges. But also... And now you have... And you're like, and I have an iron lung. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. we know that I have clown lung from the geisha costume Speaking I went in when I was 20. of the class war. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like smudging gold on your face. Yeah. I, I can, know about these trust fund babies. I can relate to the working class. <laughs> I don't even burn coal. I just use it as statues with rubies in it. But also, by the way, no, this is, okay, Emily and I, when we were in um, South Carolina, we went and got uh, uh, laser, like cool laser, it like fries the top layer of your face and we're like peeling, our skin is just still peeling off. So I think it's also that. It's just a cold. It's just cold. <laughs> I think it's the cold. It's just cold and dead yeah. skin. It was a charcoal facial. Cool. <laughs> clean coal, though. It was clean coal. It's so good oh, that we were talking coal. about. Like, <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get a creamy Oreo frappe or McCafe smoothie for less with 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The freaking Gilded Age and she's just like smudging her hole on her face. Oh my God, how dumb. She's talking about how you can relate to old women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, God. Wendy's about to go sell papes. 
on the street. There's the black, just like, the black lung. Oh God, sorry. I, uh, our main sponsor is Sinclair Oil, guys. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Purdue sponsors this podcast. I like the Zoolander. Yeah, totally. Oh, taking a break from Bridget and Whitney. Um, you'll notice that Whitney is not here because she ran downstairs to get some Catalina Crunch. We were looking for it everywhere, but since she eats. So much of it, she hoarded it in her pantry. Uh, Catalina Crunch is cereal that tastes great and is zero sugar, keto-friendly, and low-carb, just like me. If you're trying to eat better, Catalina Crunch cereal has the crunch you crave without the empty carbs. It's absolutely delicious. Most zero-sugar food doesn't taste delicious, but Catalina Crunch really nailed this. Zero sugar, low-carb, keto-friendly, plus it packs a whopping 11 grams of plant-based protein and 9 grams of fiber per serving. See why Catalina Crunch cereal is the fastest growing cereal brand in America. Just go to CatalinaCrunch.com slash Whitney for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. That's CatalinaCrunch.com slash Whitney. Not sure which flavor to try? Let's ask Whitney because well, she loves it. Okay, I'm obsessed with Catalina Crunch. Everyone's like, we don't have the product right. from the sponsor. I buy it. Yeah. Okay, I, this is already opened. I yep. take it on the road with me. It's always in my luggage. Mm-hmm. On my packing list, it says Catalina Crunch. Yep. For Grace, when we pack and unpack when I'm touring, yeah. this is maple waffle. Ooh. The chocolate is actually my favorite. Also, this is all I need to say when it comes to Catalina Crunch. Okay. Megan Fox eats it. Done. The only thing Megan Fox and I have in common. And they also make snack mixes. That's CatalinaCrunch.com slash Whitney for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Look at it. I eat it like on planes just all day. Mm-hmm. I know we can't eat on camera. Right. It's the only thing I don't have guilt about. In my life. Yeah. Eating Catalina Crunch. It's the only time I don't hate myself. Now, the other thing Whitney does constantly on airplanes is play Best Fiends. Yes. Best Fiends is a mobile puzzle game that anyone can download and play. Whether you have a few minutes or a few hours, Best Fiends is the perfect puzzle game to unwind with because you're having so much fun. I'm on level 200, which I think is higher than your level, but I'm not sure. Um, sounds like you're pretty sure. Um, so Emily, I, there is no shame in being competitive. I think Mm -hmm. being competitive is a good trait to have as long Mm -hmm. as your heart is in the right place and you're motivated by self-betterment and bonding over the competitive nature. Emily is beating me in Best Fiends, but I'm going to let you have it. Right. Because it's really all I have. (laughs) You're beating me everywhere else. I'm going to let my best friend beat me at Best Fiends just so you can beat me at something. And that's a great fiend. (laughs) By the way, because, you know, I'm going to do for you what you did for your sister at your sister's wedding. Uh, this makes me the best person on the planet. <laughs> do you want to tell everyone? I'm just let you. Oh, can I? Oh, yes. That, oh, Emily put on weight on purpose to be heavier than her sister at her sister's wedding. You're welcome. That is truly Emily. A- anything you need to know about Emily. She ate peanut butter for three weeks. By the jar. By the jar so that she would be heavier then her sister at her sister's wedding so that her sister just shined. We shined. Uh, and that was 15 years ago, and I still haven't lost it. Um, <laughs> the game features tons of cute characters that help you solve thousands of fun puzzles. The more you play, the more characters you collect. And the more you win, the more challenges you face. Ready to give your brain some TLC? Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's Best Friends without the R. Stop promoting Bad friends by accident, guys. I will not support that podcast. How dare we accidentally give them more press than they deserve? Best friends without the R, best fiends. Now back to our new best friend, Bridget. I remember when I was bringing someone to rehab once and uh, 
that the head of the rehab said, uh, was like, so what, what are we dealing with? And I was like, it's Zadie bars, it's, it's codeine, it's this, it's the cough syrup stuff. It's like just to plan like what the detox was going to look like, you know? And he, yeah. he goes, okay, I don't care about none of that matters. Does this person have anything to be proud of? And I was uh, like, cause the person had just been doing drugs for, you know, 10 yeah. years, couch surfing, whatever. And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't, think so <laughs> and they were and like, was like well never mind he's like this is gonna be a problem yeah so i think earning i think people want to earn their money i think people want yeah. to have done it themselves you know in this society and with the way student loans fucks you and the way that like the, you know people are paid and what you it's hard to do that but i do think just getting money is like a really toxic someone made thing a really people. good point was it to me, me. yeah <laughs> It was you. Was it me just now? Someone said, and and like make making money is a very American idea. There, you in most countries, the word is earn money. You don't make it. Only in only in America can you like counterfeit money. money. (laughs) Well, counterfeit, but (laughs) make it. And they were talking to me about this um, in regards to my Patreon, in which I was selling boob shots back to like being a 40 year old who's getting I'm obsessed with that <laughs> by the way you know milf is the number one search thing in porn well hey you know new could, career would you breastfeed you, there's a woman that breastfeeds no. on only fans and she makes like a million dollars a year <laughs> why do you hate money Can, you're a bad feminist like a kombucha okay, girl you, i'm saying this is so, yeah that was so, yeah by the way emily got i like literally i should look I'm never going to fire her. She's never going to quit. We're entrenched. We're Grey Gardens. But if I was going to fire you, I would have done it by now because she started getting DMs from guys saying, if you send me a video of you having a wedgie in through your pants, I'll pay you $7,000. And she said no. Oh. I mean, I understand. She called her dad and said, can I do this? And he said no. <laughs> it was a DM. Just all you would have had to do is give yourself a wedgie in jeans. No, he said um, I've he said wanted no to, to see a lot someone of stuff else like do it. But I didn't have to show my face. Oh, I, wow. Okay. I know. I know. I just couldn't do is it. Is it still in there? <laughs> so I blocked him. <sighs> White women are wild. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see any problem. I would, I would do that. If someone asked me to do that right now, I would do it for $7,000. Someone might ask you to do it right yeah. now. Let's go. Let's go. I will absolutely do that. You know, Dita Fontis, when she was on, was talking about how she used to get these requests for like, you know, all this money for these specific videos where men mm-hmm. were like, I want you to wear, you know, lingerie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like litter in the woods. And she would do it and it would be like 20 grand. It's yeah. like that. Yes. Yeah. I wish I, I could do that stuff. You wouldn't give yourself a wedgie? On no. without your face in it. Mm. Why not? I don't know. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Thank you. But you don't know. So you don't have an argument. Well, no, I don't have an argument. This is why women, <laughs> women, right. you know what? It's your fault that women don't make as much as men. They have the opportunity and you won't fucking take the jobs. Because it doesn't feel right. Women get paid 72 cents to the dollar. No, they don't, bitch. You're getting offered $7,000. 7, no man is- are you in a relationship? Uh, no. No. Well. We're a lot, not a lot of people on Dumont we're think not we're together. In a relationship. <laughs> okay, whatever you say. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just that I'm I mean, not sure how my husband would feel about the uh seven thousand dollar wedgie shot either. He'd not, be fine with it. I'm gonna tell you something, he'd pretend he wasn't, but he would just it, I mean, I don't know. I I yeah. So it's like a decent proposal, money, a decent proposal. Yeah, one. which happened to me actually when I was in Park City. I got offered a lot of money to be with a couple, and I said no. And I was 
so broke trying to make money to get back to LA. Who was the couple? It was just some Gisling. <laughs> Jeffrey. Oh, well, by the way, I've watched those documentaries and I fucking hate them because I would have been one of Epstein's girls and I know that. 100%. We both would have been. Oh my God. <laughs> I just wasn't blonde. No, they weren't going to. I just wasn't in Florida. But here's the thing. I was in, like, I definitely, when I was, like, 20, 21, what is around people like that? And I was not, I was actually a little too mouthy and not in the good way. I was, like. He uh, loved those mouthy white trash chicks down in Florida. But I was, like, there's a couple people in Hollywood that are very powerful men that I have talked to now that were definitely, like, they weren't rapists. They were just kind of, like, dated too young and used the fact that they were producers or agents and cast extras that they wanted to, you know, like, just, like, little abusing power kind of thing, but not, you know, rape necessarily, just not, you know. And then there was a couple that are, like, kind of notorious in Hollywood. Uh, And I would, I would, like, I've talked to them recently you know, because they're always like, are you going to cancel me? Like, or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, no, you never did anything. And they're all like, yeah, you weren't, it, there was no in with you. Because mm. I was like, I was always like, so what do I do with my money? And how do I get in SAG? And I was always like, like agents that took me out to dinner that it was secretly a date. I truly thought we were having a meeting. And I was yeah. like, so here's the what I want to do in my career. Like they, they were like, and you wouldn't drink. And you like had to go to stand up afterwards. Like you just, it was impossible to kind of like, like take advantage of you because you wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> you were too ambitious to even like suck an agent's dick to get ahead because you're, which is strange. Yeah, he was like, and then you're like, the, no, I'm gonna do this much harder. I want the hard one. Yeah, way. I know. It was like, and and because that dick is gonna be soft. Let's be honest. After I get done with it, but um. Uh, yeah, they were like, and one of them was like, yeah, we went out twice and both times we got in arguments about abortion. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, just trying to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, what a nightmare. <laughs> um, but anyway. Yeah. So they were trying to use me for sex. I was trying to use them. No, too. it was a couple was like and a they offered fight. me a lot of money. I was waiting tables. Big shock. And um, they said... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Just just for one night. And I said no. And I I still was like, why did I say no to that? I don't even know why I said no to it. It felt like it was crossing some line for me. Yeah. Like that, a line that I hadn't really crossed, I guess. I mean, that's which is prostitution, funny. though. Like that, that's, which is fine. Um, <laughs> we love them. I was talking to a really smart, funny, amazing uh, actress about something recently. We were talking about just sort of like the woke, woke, woke to woke, woke, woke McGee. And she's like, am I allowed to not want my daughter to be a sex worker? (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation for the podcast with these two radical feminists and they're they want to abolish porn and prostitution and they think that it's negative. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. I didn't know feminists believe that but I guess that is like old school feminism and they're like yeah this new school feminism they said look at what we have we want people to look at what their our allies are doing not what they're saying because are these women who are like yay prostitution yay this are they do they want their daughters to 
be strippers and prostitutes? Yeah. Are they encouraging that of their kids? And it was such a I would want my daughter to be Cardi B if she was using it to get to something else and it was on her terms and a choice and not whatever. Like you can go through that. But yeah, it's too big of a it's there's just too it requires too many nuances. It was fascinating. I decided this past uh... weekend to not talk about something unless I have the ability to put it in context. Um, But it won't matter. Yes, exactly. It's so true. By the way. So true. And so, but in terms, I just don't want to not close the hatch of the motives because I feel like we're kind of blue balling a bit. Um, Not that there's such a thing as balls or gender. Um, Or uh, blue. (laughs) Or blue. Or the color blue. Oh, no. I'm I'm talking about democratic (laughs) testicles. The blue balls. Um, that, uh, That the motives of like, of, you know, when we can trick ourselves and when we like, when are you full of shit and when are you not full of shit? And I think it's about your motives. I can give an example of something recently where I was like, I'm being the thing I'm judging mm-hmm. and being that shadiness that shows up. Like yeah. when I was working with my first sponsor in 2013 when I got sober and I was like, she got me a squirrel for my keychain because I'm like, it's just squirreliness. Like it just, it's weird and shady and moves. Sur- and- but it's from surviving to living. It's you were a survivor. You had to be a little fucking yeah, yeah. conniving I was married sneak. to a Russian and I was like, wow, you become like growing up under communism does some weird shit to your brain. You know, like you're just kind of. Sh- Do you like know sh- how obsessed with Russian people I am? <laughs> okay. There's an ongoing there's joke a- that I can, I have like a superpower. It's my only superpower. I can smell Russians. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I've been saying this for years. I'm like, I can smell them. Do you know that I. And I went into a restaurant and I was like, it smells like Russians in here. And it was an Italian Jacar restaurant. Noir? No, it just, it's like a pheromone. I don't know what it is. I was like, it smells like Russians in here. And she's like, you okay, whatever. Poison? Everyone in the restaurant is speaking Russian. Everyone was Russian. She was like, what the fuck? I never believed you had this power until right now. She's like, holy shit. I was just full of it. I'm like, oh it's going to save my life someday. Someday someone's going to be like, it's going to be like the Americans and I'm going to be like, this fucking person is a Russian. They're going to kill me. <laughs> like, there's no reason for this. I mean, Tim Dillon is a Russian bot. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, you didn't see that. So, but no, that's was so wild because I'm just obsessed with the fact that like Russia is this, you know, alternative reality. I mean, it's just like, the fact that Russia exists in in 2022 is so wild to me. I have these Russian <laughs> movers that I will like pretend to have stuff to do just so I can have them come over and ask them questions because uh, uh, I, I don't know the statistics on this, but um, and neither would he, neither would anyone. No one's doing this poll because of Vladimir Putin um, <laughs> that he says most of his Russian friends and family, he's like most people I know in Russia believe that Vladimir Putin has doubles that have gotten plastic surgery to look like him and that it's not even him. Like everything for the longest time in Russia, they've been on some simulation shit. Some like Jean Baudrillard postmodern simulacra for like years. Like the news has never been the news to them. Like they know everything is propaganda. Like there it's, the fact that Vladimir Putin, if someone disagrees with him, they just die the next day. There's like no point in even fighting it. And they've just accepted this sort of bizarro world where they pretend they've like like it's the Truman show where Putin is the leader and 
everyone's this is how I'm just gonna end up getting killed by Russians because of this conversation. <laughs> so back to the point of how my upbringing was like Russia. <laughs> I'm yeah. just no, just the shadiness of like, like there's you. five chicken McNuggets. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the peas under my plate. Like just, oh. yeah, shady. And I I think too because it's that survival instinct. I found myself in our space and the in my new space, which I actually didn't think there was a grosser space than Hollywood. But it is like media <laughs> and being yeah. like in the in the like pundit world. I was yeah. like, oh, this is it's all charlatans. It's yeah. fucking grosser than yeah. anything. Um, and here I am. It's people that couldn't act. Me. <laughs> couldn't write. When people are like, no. oh, this is a failed comedian who's a pundit now. I'm like, yeah, I comedians, mean, I have no evidence to suggest that's not true. Also, comedians, <laughs> I, I, I this is why I disagree. Comedians are supposed to get successful, at least public, at for, like 40, 45. Like Rodney Dangerfield, Ellen, Ray Romano, all these people, like this whole thing where comedians are supposed to get famous at 25 when they have absolutely nothing to fucking say or nothing to offer the world. Yeah. Like that, that as a female comedian, this is the perfect trajectory. This is when we get interesting and we've put in our 10,000 hours. I just, I, I ended up, um, but I was, there were people in the space. Roseanne had three kids. Yeah. When she got her sitcom. Yeah. That's true. And had been doing stand for 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that's how the real, the real deal trajectories well, or journeys journeys, journeys are supposed to go um there were two there's like two people in the space and i found myself um being like oh there's such opportunists i'd be talking to like my husband i'd be like i these people are so full of shit and then i'd be nice to them and i'm like i have to fucking stop this like this is me being opportunistic and shady but I'm, also I, it's like business and diplomatic, but I'm like, it's not honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not being honest. But I don't, we also these, don't have to be chronic oversharers and we don't have to be honest to the point of self-harm either. Cause I will sometimes over divulge and overshare, which is kind of a, another point of manipulating, another way of trying to be the victim in the situation, going yeah. like, uh, you know, oh, I'm programmed to be shady and like right now I'm just trying to make you like me. And I'm now really just Well, I won't tell them this. I just said to my husband, I have to to stop pretending that these people are my friends when they reach out to me because they need something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and I will respond and yeah. be that was it was just an awareness where I'm like, I'm being shady too. I'm I'm being opportunistic and shady just by <sighs> trying to be like diplomatic and maintain yeah. these relationships because it might be better for my career. It, you're one of the I mean there's just so few people that that can can or talk the way you talk. And it's just and have this awareness of like if you point one finger at someone else, you're pointing three at yourself. Like all these like sort of platitudes from program where you're like, yes, I mean, like my sponsor, anytime I would say uh, uh, like this person is like, told me they were coming and they didn't come and then they've been canceling and then they're, they're not showing up. And she's like, she'll be like, well, you've done that. <laughs> and so you always, the first thing is if you're mad at anyone, you go, oh, I've done that. Yeah. That's why I'm having this reaction. It's my ego. Or I'll say to her, this person was yelling at me and then lost their shit and started screaming and then screamed at the crew and then went and then she'll go, sounds like they're in a lot of pain. <laughs> and you're just like, fuck, you know, but there's no there's no world in which that person's actually trying to hurt you. They're hurting themselves and you're just, you know, the collateral damage, unless it's a statistic, rapist, narcissist, whatever. But we're talking about people that are just, their inner child is running the show and they're yeah. recreating their childhood circumstances and they're just trying to get the, they're hurting themselves normally. And we're, since we're constitutionally, I'm the piece of shit in the center of the universe. Everyone is just running around all day trying to figure out how they're going to hurt my feelings. Because <laughs> like the insecure narcissist of it all. But this is one that made me come to mind. This is a small one, but 
Like my shadiness will come up in saying yes to plans that I have no intention of following up with. And I did it for so long because I'm like, my brain's like, I don't want to say no to this person because I'm going to hurt their feelings. Because if I say no, they'll kill themselves. (laughs) If I don't hang out with them, they'll just just jump off. What like well, life's not worth living anymore? You fucking narcissist! It's like when I would like run around and do things out of obligation. Like I used to live just out of obligation. I gotta go to this baby shower. I gotta go to this birthday party. I gotta get this thing. And I remember um, my sponsor would always say, "Like I just," and then I would overcommit myself, like getting car accidents, getting tickets because I'm speeding, not eating, showing up for like two seconds, and then leaving and going to three things a night and be like, like. Like, what would happen if you didn't go to that birthday party? Do you think that she'd, like, call it off? <laughs> Do you think everyone's like, well, Whitney's not here. Should we just cancel? Like, go home. It's just like no one's going to notice that you didn't go. Like, it's fine if you don't show. If you're, like, someone's bridesmaid, show up if you made a commitment. But it's like, I, this insecurity of, like, I can't not go because I want them to like me. But anyone worth being friends with doesn't want you to do anything you don't want to do. Yeah. So if I'm doing it out of obligation, it's just like grow. I'm I'm assuming that they keep score, which is what I do. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, I went to her birthday party this year, last year, and she didn't come to mine. So I'm accusing her of doing the shady shit I'm doing. You know, it's like when we, you know, quote unquote, help and rescue people and micromanage and martyr. Like what you're really doing when you, quote, help adults, you know, before you solve a problem, first make sure it's your problem. Yeah. When we insert ourselves in other people's shit as adults, what we're really saying, it's like, well, I'm just trying to help. No, what you're really saying is you're not smart enough to figure this out yourself and you're just dumb and you'll (laughs) So I'm just going to help you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, it's so arrogant. Like when you boil it down to the subtext, even though your narrative is, well, I'm trying, I'm helping this person. Like, I genuinely believe I'm doing something nice, you know? Yeah. That was that whole difference between, um, um oh god what is it like selfishness and what there's those like two like it's a, a subtle difference and one is when you do do something because you want you're like giving something but you want something in return essentially yeah. versus just being selfish yeah and that was always i i really hated like having to look at that you know for all the stuff people say about program or whatever that that like four step I was worried about the apologies like I don't think I ever would have done program had I known about the fourth step where you're like taking that inventory yeah that in those inventories are brutal which for everyone the inventory is did you do the blueprint for progress Mm. that's one that's like ACA uh sex and love addiction it's like it's kind of just like a real gnarly one because A lot of times in AA or Naranon or, you know, something with substances, it's a lot of like, I stole money, I crashed your car, I t-, you know. Yeah. But for Al-Anon, it's a little shadier. It's like, I expected you to have tools you didn't have. Like, yeah. I basically, well, for the apologies really quick. Like, for, sorry, I was so humble. <laughs> sorry, I loved you too much. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. It's like, we're the ones like, I'm sorry, I just loved you too much. You know what I mean? I was like, t- I, you weren't ready. To, you know, like for yeah. someone that was this giving, I'm sorry you couldn't receive, I was giving you too much, you know, that bullshit. But like in AA, it's a lot of sort of more cut and dry. Like I did these illegal things and, you know, it's, but some of it, some of it. But in Al-Anon, there's a lot of like, uh, I'm sorry, I lied to, I, you know, lied about having more money than I had. Like shit like that. Yeah. It's just like sticky, it's like sticky shit that it takes a couple 
times to do that step. Like I did my four step product to my sponsor, like boom, which my favorite thing is in Al-Anon when, uh, whenever someone will be like, I did my fourth step. Um, I give myself like a B minus because we're such perfectionists. We have to like, we're the ones that like, can't, yourself. we're the ones that like, the, my handwriting wasn't good. So I had to start over. Like I had to recopy it. Um, and uh, I did, I turned my four step, which is like, like all the sort of taking my inventory. Like, how do you explain? I'm never good at explaining that. So essentially the way I did it or and have done it a couple of times is you just make a list of everything that like every resentment you have. Yeah. So the, there's like the resentment inventory, the fear inventory, and then we do like a sex and relationship yours, inventory uh, too. But ours is called blameless inventory, which is like because Al-Anons are so already think that they're the re, uh, right, like so I'm inherently bad. I'm mm-hmm. already such a piece of shit that sometimes we have to put the kid gloves on and go, it's a blameless inventory. This is just like stuff that you've done that you're not proud of, you're ashamed of. But like, like because we already like have so many notes for ourselves and criticism is already so hard that it's called blameless inventory. Okay. Yeah. So that's not what it's called. The one I did, it was more just a straight kind of old school, big book version of it where you write your resentments down and it can be anything like people, places, it can be institutions. I had like the one percent on. Love it, love it. <laughs> People that you resent, it can be my uncle who abused me, or it and can- that's one thing about AA that I always tell, like twelve stuff that I tell young women is in particular that I'm working with is it's not trauma informed at all. It was written in like the 1930s, right, right. And so it can yeah. be, you know, they'll they'll be like, oh, what's because it all leads up to you take the inventory, you write, and the way I was taught, you just go down and write one list in like a column so that you're not going across. And then you would do um, what happened or my sponsor said, what did you perceive happened? (laughs) Which I loved. Oh, hashtag believe women. (laughs) What did you perceive happened? So what's your side of the story? Um, Speaking of that, I was in a 12-step meeting during all of the like believe women stuff. And I looked at my friend and I was like, do you believe all women? She's like, hell no, I don't believe any of these bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Women don't even believe all women. Yeah, it's it's so so simplistic. But also, and then six months later, the word women is canceled. So it's like, are we even allowed to say women? No. <laughs> believe women but not oh, but only men <laughs> oh my gosh so insane um and so then you do like the other part that i found really interesting was the instincts that it affects so it's like pride ambition sex money what instincts is this affecting this like perceived slight or yeah. actual resentment that you have and then your defects of character but the most important column is always like what is your part mm-hmm. and one of the big issues that people it, have. Can I just say, sorry, in, on, on uh, ACA, there's also what was my physical reaction and then mm. what was my reaction? Oh, so you do like, where did you feel it in your body? And how did that, like, what did you, did you, did you cry? Did you isolate? Did, did you, you sleep with everyone? Did you sleep with someone? Yeah. Did you cheat? Like, how did you act out in reaction? And then how did the, how did it physically affect your body? Like your, your chest gets warm or I got nervous or anxious oh, or I puked really or stuff like that. Um. We didn't have that column, but that would have been interesting. And then um, they, they, so yeah, that the problem that a lot of people have is that when something like when I was drugged and raped at 17, like my part is it, it's, it's not that I, it's that I was hot. 
Yeah. It's really cute. I mean, there's stuff like I shouldn't have been doing, but it's not my fault that I got raped. And so people will say you take too much responsibility because there is no real trauma. But it it's I had a great sponsor who was like, it's not like something that's not your fault that you had no control over is it's how is this still playing out in your life today? Yeah. Yep. How is it affecting the shame, you? Today? Yeah. yeah. Well, are you are you like holding on to shame or holding on or being hyper promiscuous or what? How are you reacting to this now? So I found that very helpful. But you do start seeing patterns. Yeah. Like it's crazy. It's like, oh, there's that shit again. Yeah. Where I'm manipulating men because I want them to love me with yeah. my sex. Yeah. And it, it, which which is like you know. A tool that were you know, for me, and I was just talking to a sponsee about this because, you know, there's, oh, thank you. <laughs> Are you bored of us talking about program? Boring, boring. <laughs> I'm perfect. That Why are you so the, cute. Um, for our listeners, um, Whitney's talking to her dog. Okay. Um, honestly. That's, <laughs> no, she's talking to you too. <laughs> They're like, thank you. Turn off. That was your inner monologue, by the way. <laughs> um, so we were talking about. Emily's like, can we move on? <laughs> we were, Emily's like, I have no trauma in my life. Um, uh, no, there's a, hold on. There is, well, first I wanted to really quick, just adult children of alcoholics. This is something I was just going to read some of the laundry list just as I, um, and I am pivoting because I did lose my train of thought, but I'm going to remember it about like, it took me a sec because it's so amorphous. It's so like insidious. The, a lot of this stuff, especially with what you're saying, the hyper promiscuity, stuff like that. Like, I feel like I think about this next generation of women and I'm like, God, it must be even harder to be able to identify that. Cause we're in this time that's like free the nipple, yeah. fuck everyone, sexual liberation. Like Sleep your way to empowerment. Which is fine if that's what you're choosing, but it must be kind of harder because as someone that promiscuity was a big part of how I wounded myself and got a false sense of self-esteem and control and power. I think right now I would be very confused. I talk about this a lot, how I feel it's it's like such a, again, requires so much nuance because I don't want to slut shame people for be out there. Like I... I resist a lot of the double standards where men can fuck whoever they want and then women women can't. Yeah. But on the other hand, I do feel that um, some, I was working with this 19-year-old in a restaurant and she was like, she had just slept with a guy and she came into work and she was like, have you ever regret anyone you've slept with? I'm like, um, all, all of them. Of them. <laughs> she was like, oh my God. I was like, maybe one or two I haven't regret, but... Up until I got sober, I can't. Yeah. It was, and it was such a weird moment for me where I was like, yeah, I don't know how many of those people I would have slept with had I had any fucking self esteem yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that I was going to be able to like sleep my way to self esteem. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not something, it only made everything worse. But I also do look at this next generation of women, a lot of the ones, and I'm granted, but they're I'm not sh- having sex. I'm sure that there's that, but there's also <laughs> a lot of the ones I'm sure that I come in contact with are probably already a little more confident because they're coming up to me, whatever. But I, you know, the way that they're able to stand up for themselves. I'm like, dude, it took me 15 years of program and like 20 years of equine therapy and pros (laughs) to be able to say no when I like would go into a store and they'd be like, ma'am, can I help you with something? Do you want to buy this? And I'd be like, okay, fine. Like, I can't say no. Like, do you want a sidewalk? walk? Sure. I don't. Like, I like the the people pleasing. I can't say no to the smallest things, much less, you know, because we've been conditioned. I'm doing a TV show where it's a pretty brutal sexual assault drama. 
thing. And we were talking today and I was like, you know, I come from the generation where a, a lot of the sex I had was uh, to placate. And it was like, th- we were trained to believe that number one, because I went to Catholic school, not slamming Catholicism. Like, I'm just saying. Are we going to talk about butt sex? We are not. <laughs> <laughs> we can you if you want. Yeah, like, yeah, we want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mean virgins? <laughs> no, about how I, I, I was, I was a very uh, tall kid. I looked 15 when I was 10, mm-hmm. and I was in Catholic school uniform, and that is a very sexualized mm-hmm. uniform. And I didn't know at the time I was getting a lot of attention from men unbeknownst that I was, you know, Catholic schoolgirls walk home from school and we go to the coffee shop afterwards and we're playing soccer or whatever. And we're like, you know, sexualized before we even really know it because of the association and all that repressed stuff and porn. Catholic Mm schoolgirls is sexy. It's Mm -hmm. like a sexy thing, unfortunately. But um, so I I got forms were hot. They were. I mean, they are. (laughs) If I really need to, like, win a fight. If, or if I'm, like, in trouble with my guy. I've got, like, two little <laughs> tennis skirts in the back. It's like a, a like hook, line, and sinker every time. Um, and uh, and so then, uh, uh, why am I, like, I, like, blank. I'm so, like, determined to make you like me that no, I'm, like, I I'm gonna, no, I'm trying no, to make this, I'm trying to be, like, so articulate that I'm getting a little bit paralyzed. But in, uh, in the sexualizing thing. You were saying you came up from a generation that was tied. Where men, if men wanted to fuck you, you tempted them. And that it was your fault for, because men are weak. And if you're sexy or hot, you're putting them in a situation where they're tempted and men get blue balls and they are physically in pain if you don't fuck them. Like you're hurting them if you say no. And I was very much conditioned that the worst thing that I could ever do to a man is embarrass him Mm. or reject him. So like, you know, which is so sexist towards men. They're so pathetic Mm. that they can't, you know what I mean? Control their desires or have any self-restraint. You know, I did grow up around a lot of sex addiction, uh, which at the time you don't know that's what's happening. You're just like, who are all these women picking me up from school? (laughs) Um, And, uh, and so I learned like, if you kiss a guy you know, for more than 10 minutes, you have got to fuck him because mm. you have are, the horse has left the barn mm. and you have to finish what you started because mm-hmm. you're going to embarrass this person and they're going to literally be in physical pain. Mm-hmm. So you've already made your choice. You don't get to change your mind halfway through, you know? So there was a lot of sex that I had that was just like, is this isn't right, but it's like, I'm just, I'd rather just get this. I'd rather just, like, I don't really care enough. You're to, like having sex to avoid the rape. <laughs> yeah, like, to, I'm just like, I'd rather, like, I haven't an orgasm anyway. This isn't, it's just, like, I'm like, so I don't de- want an awkward thing. I'm so detached from my body. Like, I'd rather have yeah. bad sex with you than have I, to. I identify with this. Because I come from a lot of, maybe it was level. just the kind of guys that I attracted or the kind of guys I was attracted to, where it was like, when you said no, it was like, okay, now let's start negotiating. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, it's like, I don't want to do, and I didn't, at the time, I never learned responsible communication until I was in Al-Anon, you know, direct communication. I was always- Like, no is a, no is a complete sentence? Well, no, I was like, no, I don't want no thing. No, I don't think so. Like, I was relying on them to make the right choice always, and I was going to be vague in my body language, and what I was saying and how I was saying is was not going to be congruous. It was just on you 
to just make the right decision. The young girls today are so impressive. I remember, again, working at that same restaurant. I was 35, and there was a young girl, and she was, like, standing on a, on a ladder trying to get something down, and we had a creepy manager, which I had been used to my whole 20 years in the restaurant yeah. industry, and he had his hand on her leg. And I, I, was, I was like, ugh. And she's like, don't touch me. She just, like, straight up called it out, and I was so impressed. I was like... Wow, the amount of time that I've let men like touch my boob, touch my butt, like let that shit slide yeah. just because I'm like, I'm not fighting this fight. I'd be fighting all the time in the restaurant also, industry. If you, were, if you were open to like a sane exchange, you wouldn't have done that in the first place. Like there's no point in arguing with someone that already thought that was a good idea. My there, brain is like, there's nothing, I'm not, if you think it's okay to do that, what's the point of even drawing a boundary? Because yeah, you're just going to go like, oh, like it just is like going to beget more abuse for me. One of the girls that, that I was writing a lot about this and t- talking about this and I'm like, I don't know, you like have to pick your battles and whatever and some, it's, I kept getting, hearing from young girls like just because you old birds put up with this shit doesn't mean we need to and that's fair. That's definitely fair. It was like I came from a place the same as you where it was like, ah, you just it was like, you know, post sexual revolution and post like second wave going into Mm -hmm. third wave feminism. But it was still very like. And I'm also the same person. Young women and they have clear consent and boundaries. And I didn't hear any of that shit growing up. Which is also I'm also the same person that is like, you know, you can say that I'm like, you know, internalized, like hate myself or a bad feminist or whatever. Like, but I'm also the same person that does hang out with a lot of male comics and sometimes they pull out their dick and I think it's funny. You yeah. know what I mean? Or like, it's like I'm also the first person <laughs> to think some really inappropriate shit is funny, yeah, yeah. you know? And that is what? Today with kids, like my sister is so adamant about like, you don't have to give Nana a hug when you see her. Yeah, like, that's something like, interesting like, too. Like, don't have to kiss her goodbye. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was a lot of that. Give Auntie a kiss. Give yeah, Auntie yeah. come yeah. sit on my lap. Right. Go give your grandfather a hug. And it's like you don't have to do that. You yeah, know? and like Santa. My sister's like, I'm not going to make my kids sit on an old man's lap That's like wild. every other day of the year. That would be the worst idea. Yeah, yeah. And That's she's my king. <laughs> she's screaming and crying. And I'm like, no, no, sit on this old man. You know what I mean? Everyone was crying in the line for Santa. I every know. child was like, I don't want to sit <laughs> on, on Santa's lap. On Santa's we would lap. always sit on Santa's lap in the fucking Tyson's Corner Mall. And you would smell. I knew the smell of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. I knew it by then. Okay. Like the yeah. kids that came from alcoholic homes knew that Santa <laughs> a fucking flask (laughs) you know what I'm saying and like his beard it was that and clowns I was always like I remember the first time I like clowns clowns, dude the fact that our parents let I mean street drunks into our house there was no (laughs) one that was a went door to door as a clown no offense to the clown community no offense (laughs) I'm coming hard okay if you were an adult man how did you even find clowns back then like the phone book like how did clowns get contacted like 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 push pins on cork boards in the park like where pretty much you know what I'm saying it's like the yellow pages we invited men into our homes that were like wearing makeup during the day (laughs) to like make balloons for children 
And like, we, you look back down, you're like, those were just fucking drunks. Because those were jobs without background checks that didn't have W10. They took cash. Like, you just paid them in like snack wells. You never saw their real face. You never <laughs> saw their real face. And then I remember the first, the first. It's like the perfect cover. I remember like the first time I got like a drink in a bar. I like got like an Amaretto Sour. I was like, why does this smell like clown? Like, you know. <laughs> why does this smell like clown? You know. You know, you're like, that. that's a clown. Like, and then. Oh, dude, I remember also the first time I did a TV show in Hollywood, it wasn't the first, but I did some pilot and I remember wearing like those big clown shoes. Mm -hmm. You can walk fine in them. You can walk fine. They would be like, they were wasted. Like it was just like, I just, none of that shit adds up when you look back. These were criminals in disguise. Totally. (laughs) They had to have a wig and why did you have to wear face paint in order to make little balloon animals? Like you don't have to cover your face. No, it's funny. And and no one liked the clowns. No one, but our parents just invited them. Also, like I was thinking about this the other day, babysitters dude the qualifications you needed to meet Mm -hmm. to be a babysitter was does she live in the neighborhood (laughs) yeah (laughs) and that's still true though it's like is she a neighbor's teenage daughter yeah Yeah. that's still true i think in most like a lot of small town what was the vetting process suburban america i had so many babysitters like do crazy weird shit even in la when i was baby like a couple years ago when i was babysitting and i had someone text me he's like hey i got your number from a friend who I you mean had. being my assistant? Yeah, I was babysitting. <laughs> uh, someone was like, oh, I, I got your number from a friend who I'd never worked with. Like, she just had my number on reserve and was like, will you come babysit my 15-month-old? And she sent me a picture of him and was like, come at tomorrow at 3. And I got there and I was like, I should take this kid just to teach her a lesson. Oh, God. <laughs> but you were referred by someone. But I hadn't worked for that person. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's crazy You're to blonde me. and white. Those Blonde white girls never do anything sketchy, hashtag I mean, Liz Holmes. I'm a phenomenal babysitter, so yeah. she lucked out. But I was like, you need to be more careful. Yeah, that is, that is. I mean, the number of, like, random, I had a Russian babysitter for a long time who always had, like, men. I had a German babysitter. Men in the house and would, like, take, he would take stuff out of the fridge. Like, I remember seeing stuff and just being like. She used to tell us if we ate mustard, our eyes would be sealed shut forever. Mine said that mustard is the only condiment that doesn't have uh, calories. Oh, God. And I shouldn't eat ketchup. I should only eat mustard. I was being like fat shamed by these like, and she would uh, squeeze my um, arms and say like, no, you can't have more of this and that. And then she would also pick lice bugs out of my head and like, throw them in my face to like teach me not to use hairbrushes at other people's houses. I did always have lice till I was like 14. <laughs> I was all I always had lice. Because remember when you would have to do the rid and the nicks yeah. to get the, the comb? We would never wash. You have to wash the sheets and like all your Everything. clothes. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And then I also would steal from when I would go to like sleepovers. If I could make it through the night, which I normally couldn't, I would get like freaked out and scared and whatever. And that, uh, which is when like we found out that I had some, must have had some sexual abuse in the basket at like 2 a.m. I'd be like, where's your dad? Like, no where's your God. uncle? Like, I'm throwing him out of the house. And I would like, my mom would have like picked me up and take me home. I was the kid that would like freak out at the sleepover. Uh... And- Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get a creamy Oreo frappe or McCafe smoothie for less with 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And, uh... 
Uh, the but, moms are like, let's get this one out of here. Yeah. But I, yeah, <laughs> let's get this lice ridden <laughs> child out of here. <laughs> oh, my misophonia. I want to, I'm, I'm having murderous tendencies. Guys, it's vitamins. Shake it around. Good times. It's Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. <sighs> it was formulated by extensive and exhaustive research. How do you not want to hear it? Shake Why it around. Why haven't you opened the gift I gave you? Oh, I'm sorry. I gave Emily a present. I'm scared. And she has not opened it. A thank you gift. <gasps> These are beautiful. Look, I just. This is so much better than the last pearl necklace I got. <laughs> <laughs> In college. <laughs> Never. This is gorgeous. Isn't, why did you get this for me? But why are you, I feel like you're acting. Are you being fake? No, I love Do it. Do you really like it? I really like it. I, I'm. Are you firing me? No. <laughs> is this a goodbye? Are you quitting? Is this a goodbye? Is this, <laughs> is this a goodbye present? This is your severance package. <gasps> Oh, isn't that pretty? Look how gorgeous it is. I got Emily a pearl necklace. Yeah, I mean, as if we need to fuel the fire on us being lesbians <laughs> any more than we already are. Whitney gave Emily a pearl necklace. No, I think I just, it, it, I wanted to thank you because you've been um, really showing up for me as a friend lately. And I knew you, you would, I know you would never buy it for yourself because I know you want to take care of yourself. Thank and, you so and much. This, but are people going to think this was staged? I do, I'm I'm flat. This is so generous. I can't believe you got this for me. I'm I'm worried. You can't. Is there something happening? No. <laughs> I'm just I saying. Dying? I'm, I'm no, dying. I just I'm embarrassed about the way you dress. <laughs> there it is. This is like when you start dating a new guy and you start giving him clothes. There it is. And it's is. just a way to. Which is funny because you would make fun of me for wearing pearls. I feel like. See, this is what Whitney... I would, but I know that's who you are. But mm-hmm. it's also I think as women, like we, or it's just as anyone, anyone. It's not about a women thing, but like we don't take care of ourselves. And for me, it's like if I had. Two hundred dollars in my bank account. I would buy someone else something instead of take self care. Mm-hmm. So, like I did, I think three years ago, before Ritual was even a sponsor, mm-hmm. I was gifting Ritual subscriptions to friends of mine because I'm like, I know you would not right. do this for yourself, right. and you put everybody else first. But in order, like you put your oxygen mask on for, first before you put it on the person next to you. Yep. If you take care of yourself first, you can take care of everybody else. Yeah, like you do not give away unless you're. Your cup, cup is, is f- uh, runneth over, runneth and you over, ha- yeah. you can't give what you don't have. Right. So, I know you would never buy that pearl necklace for yourself. Beautiful. So I got it for you. Is it a blood pearl? Maybe I don't know. Were the oysters raped? I I don't know. I'm sure there's Hopefully something. Hopefully, that means they're fancier. I'm sure that's problematic in some way. Yeah. But so rituals essential for women. 18 plus vitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diet of women ages 18 plus. It's formulated with nutrients to help support the brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. And when I turn 18, (laughs) all the stuff you need, but put yourself first, okay? Because Ritual doesn't stop there. They invented the gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of essential for women 18 plus multivitamin. (laughs) Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Whitney and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's, you just have to make it a habit. Mm -hmm. You know, you're- A ritual. A ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash Whitney. You know I could blather on, but you have to- to take care of yourself and if you want to build your business if you want to you're just got engaged if you want to find the guy or the woman that you want whatever it is if you are not taking care of your body you're and not being healthy you're not going to attract something healthy stop being toxic and just get it and once you flush those toxins out of your bod you can get about of your brain which is part of your body but i mean like your emotional toxins science this podcast is sponsored by better <laughs> 
BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. What's the point of taking care of your body, the thing that drags your brain around, if your brain if, is toxic? If you're miserable. Yeah. So true. And so that's the thing. It's like you're not going to put chemicals in your body. Right. You're going to put toxic people right. in your brain, toxic nope. thoughts. You're polluting your brain with the toxic people in your life, your toxic decisions. Are you right. addicted to drama? Are you addicted to chaos? Right. Are you gambling? Are you debting? Right. Are you overspending to try to get that hit of adrenaline? All this stuff, a BetterHelp counselor can help you figure this out. It's not your fault. It's probably inherited ancestral trauma, guilt, AKA shame. Mom. None of it's yours. Right. Go to therapy if nothing more than to learn that nothing's your fault. <laughs> That's a great pitch. <laughs> you go to therapy so that these BetterHelp counselors say, this has nothing to do with you. Yep. So if nothing else, uh, get someone to co-sign on you blaming your parents for everything, even though you're 40. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> speak for yourself. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, except when I call. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done, line. <laughs> done securely online. If, if for, for nothing else, just someone that will let you just cry in front of them yeah. and they don't jerk off while you're crying. Nope. They wait till you hang up. Special <laughs> offer for good free listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Whitney. Now back to Bridget. I would also like steal from like the rich girls' houses if they had like a hairbrush or like ha like something I wanted and didn't have, you know? And so, because I was like, you know, where where are you from? This was say I was half grew up in Washington D.C. in Georgetown, okay, and then half in Virginia, and I went and lived with my aunts, okay. and then spent the summers in West Virginia at a place called Harper's Ferry. Okay, but when the I was in D.C., the, 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 the coal mine, <laughs> the coal fields. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's all coming deep together Appalachia, the deep Appalachian but yes I went back and forth from very rural Appalachia to like Georgetown DC mm -hmm. and in Georgetown I was like similarly to you we lived in like a like a apartment in Georgia. It was around a lot of very rich people. And in right. DC, it was a lot of diplomats kids. Right, I was right. like the broke kid at the rich school. Right. And so I would go to these girls houses and they had Tiffany bean necklaces and they had the J. Crew sweaters bean and the Abercrombie and sw oh, man. Fitch sweaters and stuff. And it was like, because I would read the J. Crew catalog and like circle stuff. And like, like I remember there's a Christmas sweater that was like wool and it had all these snowflakes on it. And it was like $90. Remember when shirts from J. Crew were $90? Yeah, now they're like $400. <laughs> if I didn't go out, of, I don't know what happened, but um, but like they had all this stuff. And I was the second child that was the surprise. So I only got the hand-me-downs. I never got new stuff you know mm -hmm. I was like I was like like scribbling in the Doc Martens with Sharpies to make them black again you know and so I always wanted just like new stuff which is so ironic because I only like vintage trash now but um that's always like been my thing but I would I would like steal like a nice hairbrush and steal a nice what because we had like combs that you like would take well, from a hotel the, to get the yeah, lights, get the lights <laughs> out and I remember this girl she's gonna know exactly more Prisalis um uh <laughs> I love how a childhood story, you never just say their first you name. You can't. It's always. <laughs> and their last name, so is, their last name is always yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's so true. It's always like Miranda McGillicuddy. Yeah. Clara <laughs> Fold. It's, it's, yeah. it's always such a specific last yeah. name. It's never just like Laura Blue. Yeah. Or sort of like just Mine Laura. Mine was pretty boring last name. Mary Murphy. Oh. Oh. It's very... And she, yeah, well, that's Gosh. very, that's very. Rhode Island. Yeah. No, that's when we were in Minnesota. We oh, moved wow. like every year and a half. But that, yeah, we were, that we were in private. I was in private Catholic school then. Oh, wow. 
And so she had this hairbrush that was like, remember Caboodles, <laughs> yeah. where you would put your makeup in a Caboodle? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she just had this hairbrush that was like— Caboodles. I'd never seen anything like it. It was like a big square, like, horse brush. And it was just like this beautiful brush. And I, like, just put it in my bag. Oh, <laughs> like, I was like, I was like just spreading lice throughout the school, whatever. But I just remember. Like um, those wet bandits. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I just remember like that. I don't know how we got on this topic, but I do want to make sure. Oh, uh, one more thing I do that is a shady, squirrely thing. Tiny thing, which is coming to meet you. I'm five minutes away when I'm not five minutes away. That's like such an L.A. thing, though, I feel like. Oh, Really? I mean, I feel like so many people in L.A. are like, I'll be right there. Well, and so many people in L.A. Yet. are sick, unrecovered alcoholics that <laughs> won't fucking get their shit. Because like, it's it's disrespectful of, yeah. I'm lying. I know. Well, that's my magical thinking, too. So the first thing I ask a sponsee always is if you have something, you have something at 4 o'clock and it takes half an hour to get there, what time do you leave? I'm like, I'm I'm always early. Well, yeah, I'm one of those, because I, I, that's one of my big pet peeves is when somebody... Um, is not, I, I just feel like time is the only commodity that we have, mm-hmm. the true commodity. And yeah. so when someone's disrespectful, and I think that's what you're about to say, is like it's a disrespect for someone's time generally. So I, I try to really, li- I was also one of those kids that got like left at school yeah, and, yeah. And, and would have to wait. And yeah, I was yeah. like, I never want to do that to people. But it's also <laughs> a respect for yourself because if so, if someone says, okay, um, if you have to be somewhere at four, what time? And it takes half an hour to get there. What time do you leave? I leave at like four ten. Because you are not in magical thinking. You go. Life could happen. There could be traffic. I may need to stop and get gas. I may have to pee. I may have to get a snack. I may run into someone that I haven't seen in a while. Like it's L- LA. Life could yeah. happen. You know, or just anywhere. You know, because the sober thinking is you can always be ten minutes early and sit in your car and catch up on stuff. You know what I mean? You can always be early and make use of that time. Whereas when you're in your you know addictive thinking and not sober thinking, you're like oh. I'm going to subconsciously le- like put myself up against a wall so that I can get that adrenaline and like be in the fast and the fit. Like I don't need to be in a rush, but I'm going to put myself in a situation where I am rushing and stressed out just because yeah. I want that <laughs> adrenaline. And then it's a it's a negative contribution to my future self because now I'm I'm going to feel shame. I'm setting myself up for future shame, mm. and I want that shame hit because that shame hit is going to justify that shame driven behavior where I get to anesthetize. Then I get to go. I left that interview, and I think they hate me, and I just there was a disaster. I was rushed. I wasn't thinking, and I had to pee during the whole podcast. You know, and it's like, well, you that's you're not a victim in this scenario. This was all because you decided you're going to leave at three thirty instead of. 310. <laughs> this all could have been avoided. This was all a choice you made. Yeah. Do you hear from people who listen that they struggle with a lot of this kind of stuff? Like the the shame and mm-hmm. the self-loathing yeah. and Yeah, huge. Yeah. Huge. And and are the younger women you're hearing from, are they um like because anxious of- and depressed or what what's going on with them I that don't- you hear? I don't think I could speak for everyone. I think I definitely, the type of people that probably come up to me and say, like, you help me with it are, you know, a lot of this has been passed on from generation to generation. We're the first generation of even people having any modicum of awareness about any of this or even able to have a conversation about adrenaline and dopamine and epigenetic imprinting and an addiction to adrenaline because adrenaline turns into dopamine. I mean, drama is an addiction. Yeah. And I inherited it, it, you know, epigenetics of like any 
chemicals that your internal drug cabinet, right? Your mm -hmm. our brain. So that's the that's like the difference between um uh you know the alcoholics are that use substances versus the alcoholic that uses behavior in people and sex and love and fantasy and gambling and debting, which are gnarly as fuck and food. Yeah, it's yeah. the internal drug cabinet. Like mm -hmm. I don't need your outside drugs because I'd rather you know, I can make it myself You're over here. High on your own supply. I can get high on my own supply. <laughs> Adrenaline turns into dopamine, yeah. bitch. I can just go cheat. I don't need. I don't need your Jim mm. Beam. Mm. I'm anorexic. That has calories. Like you know, <laughs> like it's. This is like I gotta also stay ridiculously skinny and starving, and you know, um, uh, hurt myself. Um, so it. I think that this is the first time this conversation is even, which is why such a big part of like my sponsoring people and program is about forgiving uh, our parents and because they did not have tools, awareness, any yeah. of it. I mean, we still don't know that much about the brain. You know, we pretend yeah. we do, but we still don't really know that much. And we're just learning about, you know, epigenetic imprinting, which is the chemicals that were emitted when you were in utero mm. that what you became addicted to. So if your mom was addicted to crack in utero, then you're going to be born addicted to crack or opioids. But if your mom, when you were in utero, was uh, uh, producing a lot of cortisol, adrenaline, mm -hmm. you're going to be born addicted to cortisol and adrenaline. I mean, even when I was a kid, I was the kid that was like, Psh! like I would just throw something just to get start drama. Yeah. And it, and I think that, you know, just that subconscious seeking of that, you know, neurochemical equilibrium that we inherited is, is, you know, something that's really exhausting to have to think about, annoying, but we're the first people that even have the vocabulary. And I'm sure in 10 years, everything we're saying now is going to be science fiction and debunked. But, you know, um, so I think that I do think there's a little bit of an overcorrection yeah. of people going like, I have depression, I have anxiety. And I'm like, well, you also might just be 20. Well, and life the, is a nightmare. The, every, the language of therapy is everywhere. And it's like, if everything's trauma, nothing's trauma. If every So there's, again, that overcorrection of like, like, yeah. You should have some anxiety. I mean, yeah. we might run out of water soon. And all this anxiety <laughs> that you guys have at that. There might be a fire out there right, right now. now. <laughs> there was an earthquake this morning and yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like all the babies all like. Okay. No, she is like <laughs> Teflon. She, I don't, you know, she hasn't produced adrenaline or cortisol in 10 years. Your baby no, will have that's water. Th what? Your baby will have water. <laughs> yeah. We will maybe. put some side. Well, you know that. I mean, I was working I on. I named her Matilda for a reason. <gasps> I love that name. And when I found out what it means, I was like, she's going to need this energy. It means oh. mighty in battle. Oh. I love <laughs> I was that. like, she just won her first battle. Um, That's her name. But so let me just read a couple of these laundry list adult child traits because it's. I think sometimes when I talk about Al-Anon adult child, people are like, I was very confused in the beginning too and I was too embarrassed to ever admit I didn't know something or ask for help. So I'm just... I do want to say before you read that list, one of the things that was so hard in early sobriety for me was I felt like um, this giant meh. I just kept calling it the eternal meh. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, is this how I'm going to feel all the time now? Yeah. Just like meh. And my therapist was like, that's called peace. <laughs> and I was like, oh. It was like my mind exploded when I heard that because I had never experienced just emotional sobriety Don't ever. take this the wrong way, but we are like the same person. <laughs> Insult to you, compliment to me. But that was the same thing. As soon as I got... You know, uh, in cutting out the toxic people in my life, the the behavior started, you know, scheduling things in an emotionally sober way and not constantly like, you know, finding a way to sleep for four hours and be martyring, mothering, micromanaging, obsessing over other people's problems, getting high on other people's drama. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I still do this with the gas. 
That's my one area. Gaslighting. Where no, I um I let my car get down to like E, and I'm like, this I is you still. Meant, I thought you were doing. I huff gas at the gas station. I was like, ah, uh. you're like not not so Dude, if it works for you, man, because that's what we say when someone's like, no. I'm thinking about trying weed again. You're like, well, maybe it'll okay. work this time. Yeah. Like, you go try it. Oh my god, that is so yes, you will rise. No, I still do that. But also, it's fucking crazy because you do know they account for that. <laughs> so my brain is like, okay, if I only have 10 miles left, that means I have like 30 yeah. left. Because I know that at the whatever car company, they're like, let's just give it a little more because we don't want Because we know these people are morons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for the gamblers. That's, that's the gambling addiction though. <laughs> everything kind of, not everything, it's a generalization, but a lot of things boil down to gambling addictions at the end mm. of the day. Even like dating young girls when, you know, people, it's like, I got away with 20. Let's see if I can get away. A lot. Shoplifting is the same like thing. That like bargaining. That bargaining yeah. and gambling of like, oh, trying to chase that my win. Husband nuts. He's like, you are literally like a prepper. My And I am. I'm like so a prepper funny. in every way. And that's like the worst way not to be a prepper. That you is, should always have a full tank of gas. And but I'm it's like, like, let me just get this like, fucking let adrenaline. Just, let me self-sabotage. I still need to feel alive somehow. I, yeah, but it's, but my, yeah. But um, Georgia said to me, uh, uh, she was like, um, I was like, I don't know, just like bored all the time. She's like, that's, not, that's just called serenity because I was just so, my baseline my piece was I feel alive in a time of crisis. Mm. Like crisis is where I felt because when things are placid and quiet and peaceful, that to me means the me the Damocles sword is hung. I'm wearing them as earrings. Like the shoe's going to drop. And yeah. I, when things are calm, that's when I'm panicked because then things are going to go wrong. When things go wrong, I'm like, you got this. I got this because like the shoe dropped. I don't yeah. have to worry about the shoe drop. Are you good in crisis? Excellent. Like, are you the person? Yeah, my cousin always makes fun Excellent. of me. She's like, whenever there's a crisis, it's like me. this, she's like, I go, we went to the movie. <laughs> she's like, yeah. I come out, Bridget's got an old lady's hat in her hand. This old lady fell, and everyone's around her, and I'm ordering people around. I'm like, when that shit hits it's the fan, things get so quiet and I'm slow. not the one that's going to show up to the baby shower <laughs> and know how to talk to your college friends. No. I'm going to be the one I'll that's like, so how's your marriage? Yeah. But when they're Woolsey fires, I drove into the fires. Like yeah. it was like, I was like, everyone's tweeting about, and I was just driving over down power lines. And I was just like, it's t a total. Yeah. It's like when someone's child gets kidnapped, I'm like, I got it. Like that literally happened with a friend, a friend of mine. But, but she's was like Emily she's like no but she's yeah, exactly but she's like I can't get you to like show up to my kids first birthday party I'm like if one of the kids falls out of a tree I'm your guy yeah but just chilling talking about I always say that I'm like I'm not gonna remember your birthday but I'll drive you to chemo like a hundred percent laundryless. just little things because it's it's I feel like sometimes this is not is coming off like slightly vague uh geez, these are traits that you would have if you were grew up in now alcoholic home which could mean chaotic dysfunctional mental illness. Uh, mental illness uh someone being just physically ill like just something that I, I don't know i think the most um traumatized children are the ones that grew up in a quote-unquote happily married <laughs> when i when someone's like yeah my parents have been married 40 years i'm like that sounds toxic <laughs> like that's why i'm like oh my god you, so you poor thing it <laughs> sounds really really sick all the like normal people with good boundaries i know came from like Good, yeah, family. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that, and that, and that are the people who. So my guy uh, that I'm dating now, he, his parents uh, have been together his whole life, and every time we fight about the tiniest thing, I'm like, all right, then I'll fucking get the fuck out. Like the tiniest thing, yeah. I'm like, it's. He's like, no, you stay in the 
ring. Yeah, yeah. Where yep. it's like, it was like, oh, you want me to be on time? Then why don't you just fucking leave? Because <laughs> I don't need this. It's just like the littlest thing will make me blow up the entire relationship. Yeah. And he's like, no, like you work through things and then you're like, get okay. back together. Yeah. And like, this happens a lot. Like everything is the last it's straw the for end. me because I am so okay being alone. And I spent so much time being alone. Um, but anyway, um, enough about my awesome choices. Uh, laundry list, 14 traits of adult child. One, we became isolated and afraid of people and authority figures. I mean, before I was in program, authority figures, I was just like, uh, like just like terrified of criticism. I would walk into a room, which we're kind of wired to do. Humans are wired to walk into a room and rank ourselves, which is part of the reason why social media is so toxic for us because usually we're following people that are a higher ranking than we are. Mm-hmm. And we're designed to... Uh, uh, move into uh, a, a situation and go, okay, who's the top tier? Where am I? Am I? I'm not the alpha. I'm not the beta. Am I the omega? Am I the sigma? Am I like, when there's a fire, who do I follow? And whose ass do I need to kiss, basically, mm-hmm. to stay in the good graces of this tribe? We are wired for that mm-hmm. on some level. Um, but when you're on Instagram and you're constantly following, you know, Kylie Jenner and Billie Eilish, and all, you're constantly just the lowest of the totem pole, which makes your primordial reptilian brain kind of think like, oh, I'm the lowest ranking. I have the lowest status of anyone Mm -hmm. in this. But that's not your tribe. It's an illusion, you know? Yeah. But I would move into a room and just go like, whose ass do I need to kiss to talk to to make myself think I'm not a total piece of garbage? Mm -hmm. And it would just be like, how do I get that? And like studying, like, what do I need to do to get that person's attention? Just like, it was just like a stress. It was like a, I couldn't just like hang out. It was, everything was like, a survival opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's also just being able to kind of evaluate those packing orders. And I I know I got that without even trying just from moving a lot. I just, I don't yeah. realize I do it, but I walk into a room and I'm like, I know who to talk to. And you're trying to, <laughs> ultimately, you're just trying to make yourself safe. And yeah. I think it, again, like uh, something that I lost my train of thought on before, all of the, the, the our character defects, the things that we don't like about that we're both talking about, these are all tools that did work at some point. Mm-hmm. Now they're just obsolete. Like, yeah, they're you know? like sir, that that like Buddhist koan that's like about the guy who used carried the boat to cross the river and then kept carrying the boat. Or and the, the Buddha guy was like, like, why are you doing this? I bring this up all the time. The guy that um the Japanese the soldier in World War II that went to a cave and no one told him the war was over uh. and for 30 years they found him and he you know, <laughs> it's like we're all just shadow boxing trying to fight war, you know. It does feel like me sometimes. Yeah, where you're just like, I have all these incredible tools to fight this super dangerous war. You're telling me I don't need any of them anymore. You know, it's like, you know, taking things out of your backpack or, you know, just obsolete tools. It's like it and I look at them, I try to number one anthropomorphize them. Mm-hmm. Like it's like you know, my perfectionism is like, like I call him Marvin sometimes where I'm like, you, I really needed you when I was young and people needed me to be perfect because I was a mistake. I have to talk to them and go like, thank you. I know you're just trying to help, but I don't need you anymore. Mm. This is no longer serving me. You're actually a liability. Like I can hang you up like in the, in, in terms of the weapons I needed, you're like a musket. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't need this anymore. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're just obsolete, but it's hard to be able to give that stuff up without um, like uh, having to be mad at them. Like why, like 
jealousy or whatever, or like just these these uh, maladaptive behaviors, yeah. micromanaging, people pleasing, shape shifting. It's like thank you, I needed you at some point, but I just don't anymore. Do you think that we ever get over it, or does it just you know? My husband and I were talking about this about prejudices. There's this great therapist who says most of growing up and being an adult is like rearranging your prejudices so that they. Wow. It's like, are we really evolving or are we just like rearranging you know, prejudice? That's interesting. I think it depends on the kind of work you put in and like whether you're a seeker. How do you even know? How do you know? And like there's some times that like change with me will come very slow. And there's times I have like huge spurts in a small amount of time because either I'm something magical happens or uh, like when my dad died, it was just like all of a sudden all this shit crystallized overnight. Yeah. Like all these like toxic relationships are like, ah, oh, this is a bad, I should probably get out of this. I just never texted the person back again. I never thought about it again. Yeah. It was like, sometimes there's like something, you know, losing our friend Bob Saget, like a couple things I was struggling with, just like, it was just yeah. over. Like, like over committing was done. Yeah. I literally, yeah, yeah. the as soon as Saget died, I was like, nope, I can't do that. Why not? I don't want to. Yeah. No shame. No people pleasing. Like sometimes when real problems <laughs> happen, all the little fake problems in your head, all of a sudden are like, oh, okay, we yeah. have perspective now. So I think, you know, big cataclysmic events can can cause, uh, not that I recommend uh, them to anyone, they can cause like a very exponential little spurt of growth Yeah, when you think you're not growing or a pandemic can happen or a getting pregnant and having a child. I mean- I see it in the quality of my relationships too, like family and close friends. And also just maintaining this. I, I remember even in early sobriety, there was a time where I was trying to promote all these female comics and I had, I was like trying to support them. And mm -hmm. um, and I realized that I wanted so badly for them to be my friends, but there was not really any reciprocity. And I was like, maybe if I stop, they'll call me. And I no, realized- No, if you get less funny. You're about too funny. <laughs> I just, I realized, I was like, why am I investing in the in these relationships where there's not any reciprocity? And, and perhaps, why am I chasing the approval of people that are mentally ill? <laughs> I just wanted friends, yeah. you know? And I, I think that getting sober was weird too because I didn't have, um, I lost my party friends. Yeah. And then- And when you get healthy, the sick get angry. It just was weird. And then I didn't know. And I wanted to just be like cool with my peer comedy peers. And then it ended up, um, I just was like, I'm investing in this thing, these things that aren't, it's not reciprocal. And mm -hmm. I want relationships that are quality where I feel like even if I don't have that many, many people in my life, at least, and I see it even like relationships with my family that my siblings and parents and even just having like a healthy relationship with my husband at, at the moment, you know, I mean, 10 years from now, I might watch this and be like, well, who knows? But at the moment being, it's so easy mm -hmm. like I've never been in a relationship that's not just up and down and dysfunctional yeah. and manipulative and shady and um now just being in something that's so loving and tender that's what it that's like crazy to me tenderness because I'm so I'm like you I'm like oh I guess I'm moving to Sri Lanka then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fine. I guess I'm going to fuck your brother tonight. I will go so nuclear so fast because the fear of getting hurt is so intense. I will hurt you before you hurt mm -hmm. me any day of the week. And I will go low. Like I will, if you do the tiniest bit of superficial damage, I will do 
molecular damage of like, and you've never given me an orgasm. I mean, I will go make it irreparable so there's no coming yeah, back. Earth. Yeah, it's scorched earth. And like the relationship I'm in now is the first time I don't, I realize like on a cellular level, before I used to be able to know it on a conscious level, but I didn't have the default wiring built up yet of if I win, we both lose. Mm. So if I'm trying to win an argument, it already inherently means we're on different sides and I truly don't want to hurt you. Mm. Like I truly don't want to cause damage because I respect you too much because I'm with someone finally that is so formidable in terms of his character that I don't even try to manipulate you because because also so many of the relationships I was in for the longest time, we don't realize that when we're presenting these false selves and more selves and we're manipulating people to want to be with us, whether it's we're pretending to be a certain person or pretending to, you know, act like this or believe this or subscribe to this or wear this kind of makeup or shape shift, then the relationship you can get it, but then you'll always doubt while they're there. Yeah. And you're like, well, the only reason this person loves me is because I pretended to be the person I'm not. So because I sort of, the confluence of like all the work I've done and the pandemic where I was just kind of like, like relentlessly authentic because we all just got a little raw. We met during the (laughs) pandemic. So he just saw the worst side of me up front. (laughs) So I didn't present this false bullshit self. So Mm. now I don't have to live in the shame of, well, now I'm being who I am and you just wanted me to be that person I pretended to be. What's going mm. on with you that you fell for it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing is when you manipulate someone. Uh, it undermines and, yourself. You get them, but then you lose respect for them because you're like, yeah. you fucking fell for that? <laughs> Isn't that the irony of like when you cheat on someone, you lose respect for them because you're like, you don't know I'm cheating on you? No. You're fucking pathetic. Like you're buying this bullshit. Like you're believing my lies. Like, oh, like it's just the sick. Like, so I don't have any of that. And um, that's like being the other woman. You're just undermining your faith in men every time you do it. Wild. You know, you're like, oh, all these men are assholes. Well, maybe stop yeah. sleeping with married men. Yeah. Yeah. You're seeking <laughs> the very data. You're yeah. like you're creating the data for yourself. <laughs> whatever you, you go where you look. Like exactly. Like you're the person that is creating the data that this stereotype is based on. Yeah. Like so I, if you just stopped doing it, that wouldn't be a stereotype in the first place. <laughs> uh laundry list. 14 traits of adult child. We became approval seekers and lost our identity in the process. Three, we became frightened by angry people and any personal criticism. Four, we either became alcoholics, marry them or both, or find other compulsive personalities such as a workaholic to fulfill our sick abandonment needs. Dude, the first time I went to a workaholics anonymous meeting, it was the funniest shit ever. Well, I only went to one. <laughs> a Workaholics Anonymous meeting. First of all, showed up. Everyone was like 30 minutes late. Oh, really? Yep. It was like five of us and it was like some Hollywood people that were kind of like successful known people and it was wild because when we all met, we're like, oh my God, I love your work. No, I don't. I mean, don't work more. I mean, just it was like this really weird <laughs> and then at the end of 12-step meetings, you say it works if you work it and you're worth it but you're not allowed to say work. Oh, weird. So it was like, what was it? It was, God, grant me the serenity, accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. And then the end was, you're worth it and you're fabulous. <laughs> and I was like, it works if you work. And everyone was like, you're not allowed to say that here. And no I was like, work. fuck. <laughs> and it was, it was people that like would like, Someone was like a small business owner and she would like leave in the middle of the night and go back to work while her wife was sleeping to go like do stuff. There was someone that was addicted to crafting. Um, 
it was just like a fascinating, you know. Like- I went to a marijuana anonymous one meeting, um, and everyone was late. Amazing. The shares, there was no timer on the shares, which drove me insane. Okay, insane. normally you time shares. They're like like, like two minutes with one five, minute to wrap five up. Five minutes yeah. is long. That's really long. But they they exist. But there's no timer, and the snacks were amazing. I was like, this is exactly that is so funny. <laughs> exactly what I would expect of this. It, and it like went over. It was like, oh, we finished when we finished. I'm like, that is so funny. Is such a marijuana addict, like MA meeting that I would expect. It was just that, the, dude. You know what meeting has the best snacks? Overeaters Anonymous. <laughs> no. It's, it's always such a thing. It's the snacks how? are always such a thing. Because yeah, how it's, do you de- deal with that? I've only, I've I've only went to a couple. Like, it was just, you know, it's actually more like the immature person, like me being like, really, guys? Like, we've got, like, you know, the Alestra fat-free potato chips at the overheater. Like, it's just sort of like, because every food is someone's trigger food. Like, yeah. So the person that brings the snacks at the Overeaters Anonymous, meaning some of them have rules that there's what a no snacks. Job. A lot of times there's no snacks, like at some specific like celery. meetings. I would just imagine like celery, carrot sticks. Yeah. So funny. Maybe not even carrot sticks. Just um, celery and cucumbers. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like they go the other way because they're it's like, like you and should be able to have well, and a, cakes. Lot, a lot of it is like pre-portion, you know, like the pre-portion oh, pretzel packs or the, I never the hundred even calorie considered packs. This. I never even considered this. Yeah, How what a like hard thing to navigate that would be. Such a mind fuck. You're like, hey, you newcomer, you're in charge of the snacks. She brings like, like a yeah, pound yeah. cake. It's gone in 20 seconds. <laughs> like the stress of that. Like, what do relapse. I bring to the Overeaters Anonymous? <laughs> yeah. uh, five, we live from the viewpoint of victims and are attracted by that weakness and our love and friendship relationships. We love being a victim and we will make ourselves the victim in any situation. We have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility. It's easier easier for us to become concerned with others rather than ourselves. This enables us not to look too closely at our own faults, etc. Overdeveloped sense of responsibility. WhitneyCummings.com. <laughs> we get guilt feelings when we stand up for ourselves instead of giving in to others. So we call it afterburn of when you do say no, you're like, oh, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. Why did I, I why didn't I just fucking do it? Why didn't I just fucking do it? I could have said yes. I mean, just like if we are able to stand up, the, sh- the guilt just, which is ancestral, it's inherited. Guilt is a system that controls family. It might be the system that your mom used to control you. Okay, so you're going to go stay at your friend's house till midnight? Okay, fine. I'll just be here a lot. Like just our parents got it honestly. But guilt is a big way to control people, guilting people and shaming people. And then we actually, and guilt is, you know, I've heard said like the most useless emotion. Like it doesn't really, like I built this business because I felt guilty. Like there's no, I saved this. Like it's just uh, like, it's just something that I think shame serves an important purpose in society, but, uh, and we have to have some shame so we don't act selfishly all the time but guilt is something that is just not particularly productive yeah my therapist always says unless it's it's like in motivating you to take a different action it's useless we became addicted to excitement we confuse love and pity and we tend to love quote people we can pity and rescue we have stuffed our feelings from traumatic childhoods and have lost the ability to feel or express our feelings because it hurts too much denial. This also, to me, was what I call like emotional dyslexia of like when things were like sad situations, I always was like making 
inappropriate jokes and laughing. And then when things were ostensibly fun, it always felt like work. So I'm like, mm. being at parties, I was like, I feel like I'm pretending I'm having fun at a party. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just, when other people were having fun, I was always like, I don't know how to do fun. This is stressful to me. This seems to be so easy for all you guys, but I'm like just trying to figure out how to make you like me. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, would label that as like social anxiety or whatever, but we've already kind of talked about this, but I was like, dark shit made me laugh. Yeah. And fun shit made me uncomfortable. When you kind of self-identify as a narcissist, is it something that you've been diagnosed with or is it like the inherited narcissism from family? Is this, is this like clinical narcissism or is it something that is just a trait you inherited? Did you just diagnose me as a narcissist? No, you always say my narcissistic. <laughs> I thought you were like, as a narcissist? <laughs> no, because you've said, like, you said this, this multiple times. This feels like times. a trap. No, yes, no, yes, no. That, you ca- that if you say... So from what I understand about narcissism, which I've unfortunately, I, I do think I know uh, uh, as much as there is to know because mm. I was raised around that. And my biggest fear in life is that I am one. Yeah. But from what I understand is that if you are able to say to your therapist, am I a narcissist? You inherently can't be one because an actual narcissist can never comprehend. It would be too right. annihilating to their fragile ego to acknowledge that they had any flaws. Because I say this all the time and my therapist is like, I'm like, am I a narcissist? You you inherently can't be one already. But she said, because if you come from like a family system where there's narcissism, Mm -hmm. actual, the narcissistic personality disorder, um, you will inherit traits that are narcissistic. You'll take on some of those characteristics. Sure, um, sure, of course, as you will any. There are traits of people that are insecure. What, your, if your dad was a narcissist, your mom wasn't, you'll take on hers too. That totally makes sense. But also from what I understand in terms of narcissism, there's a really good article, I think it was in The Atlantic about this, about how um, narcissists are all very different because it's based on... Uh, what your parents would have approved of. So mm. narcissists aren't at five years old trying to get the approval of Twitter and stuff. They only are trying to get the approval of their primary caretakers. So it's everyone's narcissist is specific about what their primary caretakers would have wanted their child to be. So you can be super narcissistic about like, I'm the best athlete, I'm the best football player. It's like, oh, your dad wanted you to be an athlete. Um. You know, or you can be like, I'm the smartest person in the fucking room, I'm the funniest person. It's like, oh, your parents valued funny. Yeah. So it, it, people are going to be narcissistic <laughs> and different. Or I'm like the hottest fucking thing. Like I am like fucking a, a 10 and I'm, you know, whatever. If it's about your appearance, you're like, oh, your mom wanted you to be hot. Yeah. And was disappointed that you were ugly. So you're projecting the image that your parents would have approved of because it's the only way for you to uh, uh, be able to delude yourself into believing that your primary caretakers loved you. Because right. otherwise it would be too damaging and you would just blow your brains out because you have to basically project the image as a way to get love and safety because children can't live without their parents' protection and approval. You project the false self that your parent, the identity that your parents would have approved of, and then you move on in life and you continue to do that. Because my therapist was saying too, like statistically, we we throw that term around a lot about yeah, people and exes, but she's like, it's a very small percentage yeah. that's actually 
narcissistic personality disorder, That's like right. way smaller than you but would think. But a lot of us need to just go, he was a narcissist so that we don't have to own our part of the relationship. <laughs> so a lot of times we're like, well, he was a narcissist or she was a fucking psycho. It's like, well, chances are you had a part two, but if it's mm-hmm. easier to just diagnose this person as a narcissist and do it. You and know? we do live in a very narcissistic culture. It's like uh, everywhere. Yeah, which is, I think we always have. Like, I, I, I'm big on, like, everything we have today we've always had in some iteration. It just, like, kind of looked different. But, you know, that might just be, like, a comedy generalization that, you know. Um, but, okay, we judge ourselves harshly and have very low self-esteem. We're dependent personalities who are terrified of abandonment and will do anything to hold on to a relationship in order to not experience the painful abandonment feelings which we receive from living with sick people who were never there emotionally for us. Alcoholism is a family disease. We became para-alcoholics and took on the characteristics of that disease even though we did not pick up the drink. Para-alcoholics are reactors rather than actors. So I do think a lot of traits that that masquerade as as narcissism are probably rooted in like codependence right and people pleasing it's a a very narcissistic disease to be like well i'm gonna rescue you and save you yeah because you're not capable of doing yourself and i'm perfect you know so it's like i think you can be narcissistic and not maybe necessarily a narcissist right right that's what i was wondering that's probably maybe the the cop out answer no i that's what i was wondering is i i mean because i know people who have been diagnosed borderline and that's really hard like that's real though that's real that's real but it's hard and having to be able to have that self-awareness of when you're when you're in that it's like how do you get outside of the matrix of your own mind so borderlines from what i understand um is is you know, borderlines, whereas someone that's, you know, maybe bipolar or a narcissist, they can fake being a victim in order to manipulate you, right? Whereas a borderline truly feels the pain. Mm. So, and borderline comes from, so there's a great book if you think that you might have a borderline in your life, which if you have a pit in your stomach all the time around someone (laughs) and you're walking on eggshells a lot, there's a great book called uh, I I Hate You, Don't Leave Me is one and Walking on Eggshells, How to Live with Someone or Be Around Someone That Has Borderline Personality Disorder because when you set a boundary to take care of yourself. Usually they interpret it as a criticism or as an attack. Mm-hmm. And whereas a narcissist or a psychopath or sociopath might be might be um, uh, masquerading as being a victim, borderlines actually had some kind of horrible trauma happen to them and they feel it. So borderlines and also because they actually were victims, they're not pretending. Like yeah. it comes from trauma. It's not something you're born with. Uh, whereas like a lack of empathy as a psychopath and a sociopath you're born with a brain wiring. And it's that like very black or white, like s- will split, put you on a pedestal and then yes. like kick you out. But you lack compunction. You but lack it's true. The dopamine, right. where you're not, you're getting dopamine from someone else being in pain. Like right, that is a right. mental illness. Whereas like, whereas so is borderline, but it's something that is, is all most, I mean, look, you can argue everything's nature and nurture, but it is mostly nurture. It's like comes right, from someone right, was right. molested. They were abused and are borderline, but they actually feel the feelings. You can't argue with someone's feelings, you right. know, whereas it a lot of people, can, I can pretend you hurt me just to fucking win this argument. Right. And that's just an asshole or unrecovered, not sober person. But a borderline person, like they even say, like if someone's borderline, you shouldn't tell them they're borderline. Right. Because it actually just makes things worse. Because then they're like, well, I'm borderline. And I it just... It's like a fucking 
sorry, I'm trying to not say Chinese finger trap, um, but it's just a fucking rat fuck. Rat <laughs> king. A catch-22. A catch-22. Yeah. Sh- has that book not been canceled? It's not about guns? So, yeah, I hope I didn't go too hard. Do you ever feel like, because one of the big things in program rooms, which 12-step programs, I know a lot, every meeting you go to, some are great, some suck. Yeah. Some, it does, it depends. Like, that's why I say, take what you like and leave the rest. A lot of people that are in program room are fucking crazy. I've got my phone stolen yeah. at a 12-step room. There's a lot of creeps. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. like anyone that's in a 12-step room. My therapist always goes, hot, not hotbeds of mental health. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> there's some people that are awesome and some people that are really treacherous. Mm. And yes, like, I mean, you've seen Fight Club, like Helena Bottom Carter, she was addicted to 12-step meetings and yeah. she would go, she was like the creep that would just go to 12-step <laughs> meetings They're like pray, you know, in LA, there's always like Scientology mm. people praying on 12-step programs. Or like the OM people, the orgasmic meditation. There, there was a while where they were creeping around. That's wild. I hate that shit. I don't even know There's what that is. That more, sounds like some shit I would do. There's just do. nothing more disgusting than trolling an AA meeting for or a 12-step meeting yeah. for anything. Yeah. Like, whether it's a date or— a, And we call it 13-stepping, whereas, like, if you're like, a newcomer, a, someone that has been in program will use their power to go, like, can I help you and manipulate you? Like got, That's how I got my husband. It's like— <laughs> And sometimes it's how you meet your soulmate. Yeah. Um, and so and it is what it is. How you but end like up with a child. Yeah. I my whole thing was like, anyone in this room is my hero. And my, I took my therapist to be like, there's a lot of fucking crazy people <laughs> in those meetings. And I'm like, but they're all in an abandoned gymnasium at 7:30 on a Tuesday night. How could any of these people not have their shit together? Like, you it's know? the island of misfit toys. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I hope been, you'll come back and I then I hope that to. I can come on Dumpster Fire because yeah. I'm a true fan. You can definitely because we, we're down one person. So we, Because of? Sammy flaps and folds a conspiracy one. She she has some personal stuff going on so she'll be out for like a, a while, mm-hmm. I think a couple weeks. What what constitutes personal stuff? I don't want to set the precedent <laughs> well, here. The thing is that it's personal. Good yeah, for you, so but I just want to make sure it's not just... I won't be announcing it on a podcast. If it's self-care, that's, <laughs> that's not one of what the, professional people do. One of she has cancer. <laughs> right. Um, I would love to come on and uh, and Watkins. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I I think I want to do a dumpster fire first though. That's, okay, I'm a true fan because the jokes on dumpster fire are fucking. It is very rare that I can laugh if something's if another comedian writes something funny. I'll mostly get jealous, but if I can actually s- overcome the jealousy <laughs> with just laughing at it. When you were talking about um, the sort of like left wing hypocrites that have like yachts, but they're environmentalists yeah. and like, you know, and they're flying private and about like, they're going to start naming their yachts the USS Greta Thunberg just to like, <laughs> like the, there's no extent to how ironic this gets. Um, okay. Love you. Don't ride elephants. You. The best. The it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for three ninety nine. 
Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.